Salutations. Welcome to Podmortem. I'm Travis Hunter, joined as always by my co-host, my sister, and my brother-in-law. Hi, I'm Renee Hunter Vasquez. Hi, I'm John Paul Vasquez. This week, we're broadcasting live from WIQZ in Salem, Massachusetts, discussing the 2012 supernatural horror film, The Lords of Salem. This film was written and directed by Rob Zombie. Following his high-profile Halloween duology, Zombie sought to expand on a long gestating idea for something new and original. With a low budget, full creative control, interesting cinematography and art direction, and a cast of horror icons and zombie mainstays, The Lords of Salem provides an atmospheric experience unlike anything else in Zombie's filmography. While it received mixed reviews from critics, the film has achieved a growing cult status among horror fans. So, The Lords of Salem. What were your first impressions on the film? So I had never seen this movie or heard about it or anything until... uh I think you brought it up, T. Oh, okay. Um, so this is a little mm. different than the other two that I've watched, or uh, I guess before it. Yeah. In a in a better way. Okay. Uh, in a better way. Um, not by much, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I was like, you were really struggling. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, it was okay. Okay. It, it was okay. It was better than for me anyway. For me, in my opinion, it was better than. House of a Thousand Corpses and Devil's Rejects. Okay. Like, I, this was better. Um, but I just, I don't know, man. Every time it had me, it, it, it like yeeted me right back to where I, <laughs> 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 I it, it was just, it was, it was a little up and down for me. And I think the downs hurt it a little more than the ups. Okay. I get, the funny thing is we normally kind of um before we start recording have like a little rudimentary yeah 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 talk about you know whether we liked or didn't like the film yeah we did not do that we today we didn't and I just realized after I had asked what you guys thought of it and I was like oh this Fuck. is gonna yeah. <laughs> <laughs> could go either way but I that's intriguing to me yeah I had never seen it before either I had heard of it because you T like it uh-huh um or you were like it's better yes. Um, and I think that's a fair consensus. I do yeah, agree yeah. that it's better. Comparing it solely to films that we've covered, of to his. Rob Zombie films that we've covered, mm-hmm. right? Um, House of a Thousand Corpses kind of felt like a fever dream. Uh huh. The Devil's Rejects had a story, had a narrative, but we took these kind of wild pit stops along the way. It was still like the dialogue did not really do it for me. We're rooting for these horrible fucking people. This one has a cohesive story. Right. It has lore. I mean, I, it feels like, he, I don't want to say he grew up a little bit because I don't I don't mean that in a condescending way, but this feels more even, like a more mature film. Um, I wish that, and John Paul and I talked about this a little bit last night. Uh-huh. I wish I cared a little bit more fair. about the characters. Very I feel fair. like he's really lacking because this is the first that I've seen and I haven't seen, I've never seen Halloween too. I've not seen the original Halloween in over a decade of, of Rob zombies. Right. This is the first film I've seen where we're dealing with characters that aren't like cartoon characters. Exactly. Yeah. And so I feel like when you're dealing with these huge larger than life characters, you don't necessarily need to make us feel anything for them because they're constantly on. They're constantly in their character, the whole mm-hmm. movie these when you deal with real people, I kind of got to give a shit. You know what I mean? And I feel like he's a little lacking there. Yes. Um, 
but visually there are some really beautiful things like i was yeah. truly yeah. truly impressed yeah there are a couple uh i'll no. say one <laughs> <laughs> one visual aspect in particular didn't didn't care for it we'll get to it um, <laughs> i paused it and was like oh, right. i'm i'm sorry <laughs> um but yeah, this is definitely for me a step up. And I don't, I mean, I feel like when we covered House of a Thousand Corpses and The Devil's Rejects, I'm so deeply nostalgic for those yeah. that it's almost like there's a pass, not a full pass because we still have plenty to say, <laughs> but there's a pass for what you found funny or acceptable at whatever age and what I'm going to find as a 33 year old right, today. Right. This did not conflict me in that way. I will say okay. that. And I do appreciate that. But there, there's one character in particular or one actor that I was very thrilled to see. I feel like they did not get enough to do. I will agree. Um, and just elephant in the room, Sherry Moon zombie, her best work yet. Yes. She's not amazing, but she's not, she's never going to be. And I don't mean that in a shitty way. <laughs> she's not Tony Collette. We're not going to get okay. that from her ever. Well, from what we researched in the past was that she had never even really wanted exactly. to be right, right, right. an stop, actress. Stop making her. But no. yeah. <laughs> stop. But this is the, this is the best I've ever seen her ever. I think the thing with, really any actor is you have to cast them for the right role yes. right right and what i understand from watching this film about sherry moon is that she can play real people fairly decently right okay it's these over-the-top characters that just don't work <laughs> yeah uh, right, personally because right. i know a lot of people love right her portrayal of baby firefly but um i think that this again i agree is her best work there were, yeah. there were things in The Devil's Rejects that she said, and I feel like she was a little more grounded <laughs> in The Devil's Rejects than she Very was in House of Thousand Corpses. <laughs> she was. But that made me visibly, physically cringe when I was rewatching it for the show. I didn't feel that way watching her here. No. She did not blow me away. She wasn't amazing, but it was fine. But every, like, it was fine. Everything's a bit more realistic in this. Yes. Despite yeah, the yeah. supernatural. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, stuff. No, that stuff's realistic. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I wasn't there. I can't. <laughs> um, as you had said earlier, I really do enjoy this movie a lot. All right. Uh, the first time I watched it, though, I was like, this is the worst Rob Zombie movie. <laughs> Granted, it was like 2012, so yeah. he'd only made like right. four or five. You're films. like, this is no house with us, yeah. right? Let's, uh, yeah, who am I talking to? But, <laughs> but um, I rewatched it in my 20s, and I was like, holy shit, you know. And I think that comes from more of an understanding of other directors, right? Rob Zombie said in in, in an interview that to him, The Lords of Salem is like if Ken Russell directed The Shining. Which is very fair. I don't know if you guys have seen anything from Ken Russell. I don't think so. I've seen one film of his called The Devils, and it's fucking wild. I'll just All put right. it that way. Um, it was on Shutter for a little bit, but then it got taken off. Uh, but it's not. Roger Ebert gave it zero stars. <laughs> no way. What? Yeah. Um, so that's that's fun. But it's it's weird in a way that a lot of Lords of Salem is kind of weird. Mm -hmm. But I, to me, I whenever I watch Lords of Salem, I kind of get the vibes of Kubrick. Argento, Carpenter, and Lynch. Damn. Kind of put into a blender. Okay. With Rob Zombie as like a seasoning. I was going to say <laughs> with some hot sauce. Yeah. Rob Zombie hot sauce. 
Which, honestly, I think that that, to me, it, it feels like uh, the names that I mentioned, it's kind of tailor-made for me to like it. Yeah. I kind of had no choice. Yeah, there you go. It does feel very much unlike his other films, as I said in my intro, which I don't mean to sound as negative as... Yeah, that's what I was like. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it's hard to even like put into words because it's like this weird... like. I don't want to say love hate relationship, but like kind of. Yeah. Well, I think because we, I think we all, we know what Rob Zombie's capable of. And right, so right. when we don't get it, we're like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> Cause I know how we all felt about three from hell. Right. Which we'll get to when they just sighed. <laughs> I'm still upset. Uh, but I know we'll get to that in the future. Same with his Halloween films, but this to me, I think. And then of course there's the fascination with, uh, Salem witch trials. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And witchcraft right. that just kind of speaks to the, our interests. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I will, it's not perfect. No, it's <laughs> not. There, there are some problems I have. Um, a lot of it, I think the thing for me is that there's a lot of really good imagery and then there's a lot of imagery that doesn't mean shit. <sighs> yeah. And so it, it's, it's kind of mining that and trying to find, <laughs> You know, and there's that one piece of yeah. it. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> I did want to talk about how this project came to be, though, because it honestly surprised me to learn that it was kind of gestating before he even took on Halloween, hmm. which was 2007. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, for fans of Rob Zombie's music, the album Educated Horses has a song called The Lords of Salem. Mm-hmm. And that came out in 2006. And so, Damn, yeah, that okay. could be, you know, kind of the building blocks of it. But according to Deadline, after he had made both of his Halloween films and I guess the studio pressure that he got, because mm-hmm. what he was supposed to do after Halloween 2 was the Blob remake. And he's like, you know what? I don't think I, <laughs> you know what? I don't want to do it. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. There Thank is a God. part of me that <laughs> kind of wants yeah, to No, 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 no. I, I don't do that blob. to the blob. The blob's like, get the fuck out yeah. of the fucking <laughs> you motherfucker. Tootie fucking fruity or whatever. Um, <laughs> whatever it is. Uh, but <laughs> he would eventually drop that idea right. in favor of something original. <laughs> and so he had started writing the Lords of Salem and then kind of shelved it. And it wasn't until Jason Blum... No way. Yeah. He came he up. said low budget? Guess what? <laughs> <laughs> What's that? Just pushed his books apart, came yeah. off the shelf. I'm sorry. Yeah, I heard you want to make a movie. <laughs> um, and of course, that was the first thing he said. He's like, the budget is low. Yeah. yeah. But um, all he gave Rob Zombie is like, we just want something with a supernatural bend. Outside of that, you have complete creative control. That yeah. is cool. Very cool. That's something yeah. that we complain about a lot. Uh-huh. That people aren't given that full control. Right. So it's like, you know, some people... It's, yeah. it's just what you do with it yeah and honestly i feel like it makes me think about his other films because it's like well what would it have been if you had full what would have been the difference you know because he talks a lot about his halloween movies where the weinsteins fucking micromanaged oh, and forced wow. shit on him and stuff and i don't really like his halloween yeah. movies but um one thing i will say is that the low budget was good for him but it was also difficult because they had 22 days of production and there were fucking issues aplenty. Jeez. And we'll get That's into them. nothing. No, yeah. not at all. And again, for what came out of those 22 days, it's pretty, yeah, pretty impressive. good. Um, whenever he introduced it at a film festival, he said, 50% of you will love this. 50% of you will hate this. And that's okay. He's, and that's yeah. one thing I respect about Rob Zombie is you can, he is not one that gives a shit. Right. And right. You, you got, I feel like when you are, as bold as to make the things that he makes yeah you you have to you have to be that way because you know that there's people that 
maybe even the majority are not gonna fucking like this true and i i don't have yeah. that in me at all dude no, i can yeah. i'm working on it <laughs> <laughs> now before we curse this film we would like to issue a warning for spoilers pod mortem is a very in-depth podcast and in thoroughly discussing horror films we have no choice but to spoil a thing or two if you don't wish to be spoiled please go watch the film then come back and enjoy the show if you've already seen the film or don't care about spoilers, let's play the record. So the film begins with opening credits intercut with shots of Heidi LaRock, played by Sherry Moon Zombie, riding passenger in a car. I don't mean to already interrupt. All right. The dreads are a lot. I, I'm I'm surprised to hear you. <laughs> I didn't I didn't appreciate them. I'll it was it was a choice. It was it was a very. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not choice. the only one that felt that. It was way, a very though. strange choice. I I think they had to do something to make her look different than Baby. Just don't. But have... I don't know if that was the what. That wasn't it. That wasn't it. <laughs> yeah. Um. The glasses were enough. I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> the glasses did it. That's the fine. tattoos did it. Yeah. yeah. I like the tattoos. I like the glasses. Uh-huh. The hair wasn't it. Well we're, well, we're going to be seeing it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm get used to it. <laughs> but she fights falling asleep as a voice on the radio waxes on about the idea that a person who experiences pleasure has a diminished desire of inflicting or experiencing pain. Now, I will say this. This radio broadcast does come up later in the film as well. Yeah. Um, doesn't mean anything. No. <laughs> means means yeah. absolutely nothing. Uh, some stuff in this film is just stuff. Got it. Yeah. That happens to be in this film. And I think that's my thing. Um, I love a lot of what is here, but then there's some stuff that it's like, hey, what if we uh yeah. clearly. Yeah. And I mean, I, mean, this I feel is, like that's to me, that's him though. True. And this is a very small example of that. Yeah. Because there's some we will talk. <laughs> we'll get to it. <laughs> we'll get to that. But we flash back to 1696 in Salem, Massachusetts, getting a close-up shot of a black goat before fading into an old book of thick pages lit only by candlelight. Not Black Phillip. I know, right? The uh, goat was played by a goat called Noodles. I don't know. Oh, nice. Is. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what where you get noodles for a goat. Maybe it's his favorite food. Oh, no. that's so cute. Can goats eat noodles? Uh, sure. Yeah, I think goats can eat anything. They eat cans. Oh, yeah, yeah, they eat like metal and shit. Is that all right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when my, uh, one of my little sisters, she used to have a goat when she was small, and the goat's name was Betsy. Really? Yeah. A goat, human name? Yeah, yeah, goat thought it was a dog. Oh. Should have been named Goatrude. Nay? Yeah. Uh, 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 <laughs> I'm you were saying too. <laughs> How long have you been sitting on that? <laughs> like when I get a pet goat, I swear to God, I'm gonna fucking swing. <laughs> but Reverend John Hawthorne, played by Andrew Prine, writes with an ink-dipped pen. He states that as he writes these very words, the witch Margaret Morgan gathers in the woods surrounding Salem with a coven of six. He says their blasphemous music echoes in his mind and drives him insane, but he vows before God to destroy anyone who pledges allegiance to Satan and his spectral army. Yeah! That was, that was the blasphemous that, music. <laughs> they're just playing Hellbilly Deluxe. <laughs> so one thing I do want to say is that this already with this opening, I'm kind of hooked in already. When it comes to the Salem Witch Trials... yeah. Um, I will say they do play fast and loose with time. Right. Because to my understanding, the witch trials were 1692 to 1693. And then it kind of just fizzled out after that. This is 1696. Yeah. Why? Why? Though? Just to get the extra six in there or what? Um, it doesn't sure. hurt. 
Like that. Yeah. I, just <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I will also say I did do a lot of reading on this film and I also did watch the film with commentary and on commentary, Rob Zombie explained that the character of John Hawthorne was supposed to be played by an actor called Richard Lynch. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, whenever they got to set and were ready to film, he had apparently become very ill. And so whenever they were filming, he was forgetting his lines. He didn't know exactly what motivations of the character. And it kind of just became a bit of an issue that kind of expanded so much that they had to cut him from the film entirely. That's so sad. And so Andrew Prine is actually playing a character called Judge Mather, but because of Lynch's health. Yeah, they shifted mm, over. Yes. And so John... Hawthorne is now Andrew Prine's character. Judge Mather doesn't even exist. Mm. And it is kind of unfortunate because there are characters later that matter with Judge Mather and a few other characters, but had to be shrunk down and cut because of Damn. that oh, unfortunate, right. you know. Oh, wow. But interestingly, there was a novelization of The Lords of Salem released, and I did read it. Mm-hmm. And it's based on the original script. And all so right. I can kind of fill in. Oh, all is right. it good? Some of the blanks. It wasn't bad. Hmm. It was not bad. I was kind of surprised. There's a lot of uh, things that don't make it into the film that are quite gruesome, quite grisly. Uh, that <laughs> I had read that that it was supposed to be way like more bloody and rough uh-huh. yeah. than it ends up being. That's, That's fair. accurate. Yeah, because there's some stuff later that we'll talk. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it gets it it goes there, but um, it did kind of remind me a bit of the fog in how they went back and reshot some stuff so that they could make sense of the beginning. Uh, yeah, all right. They kind of did the same thing here, and I thought, I mean, he can't <laughs> he can't escape Carpenter if he tried. <laughs> <laughs> but in those very woods, Margaret Morgan, played by Meg Foster, stands before her coven, a sigil smudged on her forehead. She pleads in the name of Satan for the ruler of the earth and the king of the world to open the gates of hell and come forth from his blessed abyss. I was like, oh, these aren't baseless accusations. Like, <laughs> <we're> really- <laughs> yeah. Y'all are really doing that. I, yeah. I think that was... <laughs> I was like, all right. That's what caught me off Just guard. Just immediately. Because like the tragedy of the Salem witch trials is it was all false accusations. Yeah. Right. But they're like, we love Satan. <laughs> like, oh. Okay. Cool, dude. I'm here for it. <laughs> Would this be the same Dr. Satan? Or is this... Oh, oh. This is before he went to school. Yeah. Oh, so this is... All right. Yeah. So yeah. there was no respect yet. No, no, no not yet. Not yet. Just, I mean, respect, but not, but not, not respect. Yeah. Just regular citizen Satan. (laughs) (laughs) But the surrounding coven begins to chant, All hail, unholy father. Abigail Hennessy, played by Bonita Friedrichsey, pledges to be a faithful servant of Lucifer. Sarah Easter, played by Flo Lawrence, swears mind, body, and soul to the designs of his lord Satan. Martha Bishop, played by Susan Gray, vows to trample on the cross, and Elizabeth Jacobs, played by Suzanne Voss, implores them to spit on the Book of Lies. Margaret watches from the pulpit as Mary Webster, played by Bryn Horrocks, says that she's ready to abandon this mortal existence and deny Jesus Christ, the deceiver of mankind. Damn. That no, seems like, like a lot. Yeah, I was like, y'all really mean this. Like, we're really... She said it with more stank than the she, others. She did, yeah. yeah. Like, she even looked down like, did that come from me? <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot. It's caught up in the moment. I didn't know if you recognized her, but Bryn Horrocks played Abigail Whitman on Mad Men. Oh, shit. Yeah. So Very she's, cool. She stays being kind of villainous. <laughs> <laughs> but Margaret tells her coven to prepare to desecrate their false bodies before ordering them all to show themselves. In unison, they all disrobe and stand naked before the fire, screaming and howling into the night. 
I was like, I knew this was going to end with y'all getting naked. Like, I knew yeah. that was... Ha- if I have body issues, can I still praise Satan with the shawl on? We got to desecrate these false like, bodies. It's like a prerequisite for all the, the spooky shit. I, I feel like, first of all, I don't think that any of them... Care? <laughs> yeah, no. It's, <laughs> it's literally not about that. And also in 1692, I doubt that uh, false fucking like body image ideas... <laughs> Unrealistic standards of beauty did not exist in 1696 <laughs> not not at all i did want to point out they said in commentary that this was shot at sable ranch which is in california which is the same place they shot a lot of the devil's rejects all right but rob zombie said that the issue is that the days are like blistering hot mm-hmm. and the nights are like below freezing oh yeah Damn. and so they're out there naked, naked. Yeah. yeah and they said that they did these scenes over and over again until they couldn't even get the lines out because they were so cold oh, what? <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> yeah he said they were troopers but it's like i, I maybe don't do that yeah again. why did you make him do it that much <laughs> it was directed by sam raimi i guess <laughs> <laughs> But they chant together. We desecrate the virgin whore. We blaspheme upon the Holy Spirit and we rejoice in his suffering. They all burst into laughter, hugging and joining hands in a circle around the flames. Seems like a great time. It does. But Gertrude watches them from afar. (laughs) Thank you very (laughs) much. Yeah, no problem. I, I've marinated on it. I actually like it a lot. Thank you. Because <laughs> I was met with utter silence. Yeah, well, we had to, we had to digest it. Was, it was ahead of its time. I it understand. Was, yeah, I no, sure. al- almost like this. <laughs> almost like this film, I'd say. <laughs> but with a shot of Gotrude, we get the title, The Lords of Salem. Uh, I'm with I'm with uh, the goat. I, I wasn't very impressed either. And the goat didn't look. <laughs> the goat the didn't goat, look impressed. Yeah, the goat did not look. <laughs> well, this but, shit again. <laughs> I mean, you guys have been practicing this for 200 years. And this is the best. (laughs) And this is what, come on. I will say, I I don't take a goat's opinion into account because they do eat cans. And I personally. But they live deliciously. Cans might be fucking great. Yeah, we don't don't know. know. Are we, do we have to try cans now? (laughs) (laughs) Can't knock it until you try it. It's a new uh, tier on Patreon. We'll We'll eat a can. can. But back in present day, we get the title card, Monday. So this is one of several nods to The Shining. Okay. I did catch that, and I did appreciate it. Me too. I feel like a lot of his, I guess, homages are a bit on the heavy-handed side. Mm. Uh-huh. This one, I guess, could be construed as heavy-handed, but I liked it. No, I didn't mind it. Uh, I will say I appreciate more when the creator kind of acknowledges it yeah yeah and he did throughout all the interviews he did he talked about the shining he talked about all these things yeah yeah and that to me is where you know that's the that makes the difference exactly when you're just like oh no i did that yeah, yeah. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <all me. laughs> no, nobody ever did that no not one of the most classic horror films of all time yeah. no. I, I enjoyed it because this movie is like there's a lot going on so I enjoyed it because it gave me a time frame. Right. That's like, a I was really like, good okay, point. Okay, I know what. Okay, that was the other day. Okay, this is it's like all right. So shit is getting worse as it goes. Yeah. And it yeah. kind of gives this sense of like we're counting down to something. Yeah. Like yeah, it's also yeah. like this foreboding. That too. Yeah. You know yeah. what's coming if today's Monday? Like where are we going? Yeah. And the thing that's very interesting is they like mix and match a lot of scenes and editing later on. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they still maintain and respect this timeline. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. But we pan across buildings on a modern street in Salem, Massachusetts, settling in on a white three-story apartment on the corner. 
So a lot of these exteriors were actually shot in Salem. All right. That's incredible. Yeah. I unfortunately have never been, but uh, the w- whole way that this place looks, I uh, love. Yeah. I was going to say, I thought this was a real place. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, it is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Confirmed. Yes. They did say, I think a lot of the interiors are shot on sets in California. Okay. And there are a couple of exteriors in California, but the way that it mixes, I could not tell. No. There are some scenes where they switch from California to Salem, like... Wow. Nothing. Yeah, I couldn't tell. See, and that's pretty it masterful. Yeah. Like, it's like, you you know what you're doing. Exactly. Yeah. I That's what gets me about this film, is it's like, more of that, dude. You know what it is? It's like <laughs> when your kid's doing homework, and you know that they know what they're doing, but they're just being lazy. Uh-huh. And it's like, you know this. You just don't want to... <laughs> what this feels like rob zombie's a 57 year old man <laughs> pick up your pencil <laughs> take a little break and get right back to it drink your juice <laughs> but inside her bedroom heidi is fast asleep face down and nude in bed um we're not even five minutes in no We've seen the ass. So check. <laughs> the ass. The ass. <laughs> you know. Well, it's a Rob Zombie film. Literally. Yeah. It's a character <laughs> in yeah. itself. Yeah. It gets its own credit. It's, yes. You know. But her room is dimly lit by bright cube nightstands, kind of reminiscent of the Corova Milk Bar and A Clockwork Orange. Oh, yeah. I thought that was kind of neat. Uh, more Kubrick, of course. But on her wall is a mural of the man in the moon from Melier's 1902 film, A Trip to the Moon. I loved that. Yeah. I really like her whole apartment. The aesthetic of it. I think it's very cool. I will say, though, I did kind of chuckle out loud because we see her asleep in the bed. Of course, her ass is out. Of course. We kind of look around the room and then we get like a close up of her ass. Yeah. And I was like, that was for Lala. Like, (laughs) (laughs) that was specifically. (laughs) Well, it made me laugh because it was one of those things where it's like, okay, we got the wide shot. Yeah. But they're like, no, we need. Listen. Yeah. I don't know if you saw it the first time. Did you see the shot list this morning? It just just made me laugh because I'm like, he literally can't help himself. No, he cannot. I don't know that we see it again. We do. Okay. Oh yeah, we do. <laughs> All right. we do. He can't help himself. Um, one thing I will say, because what I took from this in her decor is kind of saying that Heidi is connected to the past in some way. Yeah, well, I mean, very vintage, and then that is the first sci-fi film, Trip to the Moon. So, so I mean, yeah, right. you know, and that is uh, interesting. Yeah, we'll say Rob Zombie saw it more as, I guess, the surreal nature of a trip to the moon, kind of mirroring the surreal nature of what we're about to see that have you seen that a long film? time ago. it is pretty fucking wild i know the <laughs> like moon, they were doing the most it gets mashed in the eye which seems unfortunate <laughs> but <laughs> heidi's alarm goes off which frightens her awake and we hear blinded by the light by manfred mann playing lowly i <laughs> From her nightstands, blinded by the light is also how she sleeps, but it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) I will say, like, I have an alarm clock that you can set the brightness on, and if it's even, like, a little bit over the lowest, I can't. Yeah. So I don't know how the fuck she's... It looks great, the room. Yeah. But I could not But you're, like, practically... Yeah, Mm -mm. no. None of that. (laughs) But Heidi puts on her glasses, slides across the bed, and throws some clothes on. As she heads into the hall, Troy, her dog, played by Troy, the dog... (laughs) Gets up from his little dog bed in the corner and follows her out. Troy is no mushroom. No. <laughs> but but he's very cute. Your devotion to mushroom, <laughs> mushroom. is unwavering. <laughs> and I'm a cat person. Yeah, I, know. I fucking love that dog. That just shows how good that dog is. <laughs> 
But after petting him for a moment, she heads to the bathroom and doesn't really seem very pleased by her own reflection in the mirror. She goes, Jesus, which very relatable. She saw the dreads. I don't, that- I don't, I don't blame her. <laughs> this is what we settled on? Rob, fucking <laughs> really? God damn. But as she sits down on the toilet to start her morning routines, the camera cuts to the hall outside of her apartment, slowly pulling back as a light swings slightly overhead. Heidi snags the newspaper from outside, but peers down the hallway and notices a silhouette of a person standing in the doorway of a neighboring apartment. She tries to introduce herself as her neighbor in apartment two, asking if they're the new tenant, but the figure just slams the door instead. Heidi takes it in stride, but the camera presses in on their apartment door, apartment number five. That was clearly some kind of ghoul. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that was still rude. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't care what the fuck like, you yeah, are. Come on. Yeah, ghoul or no, you're not doing that shit to me. Yeah, don't. <laughs> you got to live next to me. Give me a grunt or a moan yeah, or something. Out. A All wave. Right. Yeah. A wave. Or a whale. That's fine. Yeah, yeah that's fine. <laughs> Acknowledge me. I did want to point out the doors are painted very shiny black. Mm-hmm. Reminded me a lot of the Tans Academy in Suspiria. Okay. Um, that's one of very many Argento kind of feelings All right. in this film. Uh, but I did want to call it the production designer, a woman called Jennifer Spence. She's done a lot of projects produced by Jason Blum. Okay. She's also done stuff in the Conjuring universe. She did Annabelle Creation. Oh, nice. And she did, uh, she was the art director for Insidious. Okay. Oh, hell yeah. So I think that she does a lot of great work. Yeah. A lot of shit is very tricky in this film because of the way that they were with the budget. Uh-huh. This hall leads to nowhere. Right. Really. Uh, the apartment door for Heidi's apartment actually leads to like a broom closet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. And so when you see her opening it and coming out of it, she's really just in going the closet. in the closet. That's yeah. hilarious. Yeah. But you That's would never... so smart though. No. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty well done. And I love the look of the hallway. I love the wallpaper. Oh, I love the light fixtures. Yeah. Like I... I really love the look of it i would like to live here maybe not not, here. not on that floor though <laughs> but, <laughs> especially with the neighbor that room yeah <laughs> but at her dining table heidi takes some medication while listening to the news on the radio we get an overhead shot of her living quarters as she reads the paper that she retrieved earlier i did like there's something about this film they kind of they repurpose certain shots later from similar angles but use them in different contexts. And what I mean by that is they're kind of thoughtful in a way that they're priming you for scares later. Mm-hmm. All right. Which again is a very interesting direction. You don't really think that with Rob Zombie's no, films. No, and or... I, the restraint. Yes. Yeah. And the patience. Like, yeah. it, I'm really impressed by it. Some of these shots go on for a long time. Yeah. yeah. And I know a lot of people think that the film is very slow. Some people say it's too slow. I think it's an attempt at being more methodical. Right, right. Because a lot of his other films, it's like really shaky, like handheld. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. And I'm not a fan of that, really. I mean, it kind of works sometimes when Otis is like beating the shit out of fucking... <laughs> <laughs> but, but for every shot, it gets like... Yeah. But this, it's, it's like... I'm like, I'm tired. Yeah, yeah. dude. <laughs> give me a headache, Rob. <laughs> but this works for this, is all I'll say. Yeah. yeah. But downstairs, Lacey Doyle, the landlady played by Judy Geeson, checks her mailbox and leaves through the envelopes. Lacey greets Heidi as she walks downstairs with Troy, Heidi admitting that she's off to a slow start this morning. She then remarks to Lacey that it looks like she was finally able to rent apartment number five, but Lacey says that she hasn't. She says that the price is right, but for whatever reason, no one wants it. Weird. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> 
What do you mean by the right price? I could relocate. (laughs) (laughs) What's the right price? What's fucking like ridiculous to me in the novel, Heidi tells her coworker that we'll meet later that she was offered her apartment for $300 a month. Get the fuck. Damn. And she said she couldn't pass it up, obviously. Yeah. But that also comes with a lot of interesting, like, yeah. right. why is it $300 a month? And we'll learn. Does yeah. that, does that uh, <laughs> give you, like, Rosemary's Baby vibes? Absolutely. So I guess you can throw that in here as yeah. well. Because honestly, later on, it does get very Rosemary's Baby. Yeah, yeah, it does. But very confused, Heidi tells Lacey what happened this morning that she saw someone standing in the apartment and that she said hello and they slammed the door in her face. <laughs> Bit of an exaggeration. Ocean <laughs> rude. <laughs> yeah, in her, it wasn't in yeah. her face. No. It was still rude. It was still rude. I, I'll allow it. You Sometimes you just got to add the hot sauce. They pushed me out of the way yeah, yeah, and then slammed the door. I almost do broke that. my arm. <laughs> <laughs> but Lacey admits that it is strange and says that she'll check it out if it'll make Heidi feel better. And then the two-part company with Heidi taking the dog outside for a walk and Lacey heading upstairs. That already bugged me. If I were Heidi uh-huh. and I'm like, I literally saw a human mm-hmm. standing there and they slammed the door on me. And she's like, oh, no, it's not. I mean, if it'll make you feel better. I saw no, that. Yeah. Like, yeah. I would be more concerned, did somebody break in and they're squatting? Yeah. Then, oh, Heidi's fucking hallucinating. <laughs> like, that That already, I was like, mm, I don't like that. Yeah, that would have made me mad. None of this has to be supernatural yet. No, it could literally just, just be, be a person a, squatting yeah. in the apartment. Which also, if you're squatting in an apartment, maybe do it a little more uh, <laughs> yeah. quietly. I don't know. Slam doors in people's faces. Yeah. yeah. Less, less slammy, more squatting. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. That's, the, that's their motto. I don't know. <laughs> But Lacey does go upstairs to check the doorknob of apartment number five, but it's locked as it should be. I was like, that's your idea of checking yeah. it? <laughs> I'll get here. It's yeah. Like, you have keys. That's go inside. True. <laughs> you own this place. Yes. Yeah. I will say that there is a very nice piano track that plays here. Yeah. I actually mm-hmm. like the music throughout this movie. It is. Uh, yes, it is good. It was done by John Five and Griffin Boyce. Everybody who knows me knows I love John Five. Yes. He was actually rob zombie's guitarist at the time i think he's one of the greatest guitarists of all time Mm -hmm. very oddly when i started the script he still was rob zombie's guitarist and he no longer is what the fuck did you curse them no no no. (laughs) (laughs) don't put that on me (laughs) (laughs) oh my god what are the fucking odds what happened i guess because he was in rob zombie's band for 17 years and mick mars retired from motley Crue. And they recruited John Five to be their new live guitarist. Damn. So I don't All know. Right. It it is great for John Five. Very yeah. upsetting for me and Rob Zombie. We can kind of commiserate on that one. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sure that's what he'll want to talk to you about if y'all, if y'all meet each other. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I've got enough. Him beef. and Steven Spielberg are just waiting yeah. in an alley Look, with like a sack full of pennies. I have apologized. <laughs> profusely enough <laughs> i feel like i don't have to get my ass kicked by everybody <laughs> this was and i know we've already talked about it a little bit but this was the point in my notes where i was like having sherry moon zombie play a normal human being is definitely the move yes yes because she's doing fine uh-huh i feel like already at this point <laughs> and either of the other films i'm like ooh. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, I mean, everything just feels... I think that's the thing about this film that I like so much is that it feels very subdued. And it kind of works for everyone. There's really nothing over the top. Well, well, 
there is a few things that are over the top. I'm not going to there say. Are, yeah. There's one, I would say, well, a group of over the top characters, but they embody it well. Yes. Dude, Meg Foster. Yeah. She fucking kills it. Yeah. It's like, uh, like Otis is very over the top. Bill Mosley can handle that. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Captain Spot. Like these people can handle being almost cartoon. They were cartoonish. Right. Yes. I wouldn't say the people in this one are cartoonish, but they're on the line. And they can handle it. Like yes. they're they know what they're doing. I think a different actor it becomes cartoonish. Meg Foster yeah. grounds it in a weird way. Yeah. That I believe every word she says. She's like horrifying. <laughs> no shit, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but as Heidi walks into the night with Troy, the screen is overtaken by a colorful psychedelic swirl in an advertisement for WIQZ, Salem's Rock Station, and their DJs, the H team. Heidi LaRock. Herman Whitey Salvador, played by Jeff Daniel Phillips, and Herman Munster Jackson, played by the man himself, Ken Foree. Two Hermans? Two Hermans. I was thrilled to see (laughs) Ken Foree. I was very excited. I did not know he was in this, but this is who I was talking about that I wish they would have given him more. I don't feel like we get enough of him at all. I would agree. There's really never enough of Ken Foree. That's a good point, too. Uh, They did have more for him in the novel and the original Mm. script. He kind of took on more of like a fatherly. Yeah. You get that vibe. You do. But it's like so it's just not enough. It's yeah. not. It's because not. Because there's one scene where it I was like, what the fuck is your problem? And then later I was like, oh, OK. Yeah. 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 But if we had gotten more of that dynamic, I would have immediately understood why he's feeling the way he was. feeling. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? I think it's the difficulty in what was cut okay right and it kind of allowed them to expand a little bit more on other things that i there is (laughs) there is one scene in particular that i feel like they could have cut completely and then kind of given more to this to add for more character okay but uh they did not will you tell us oh absolutely okay Uh, i i i really enjoyed the piano Uh uh-huh I know it might seem a little weird, but this was one of those on and off moments for me. What the? Because the piano, I was like, okay, the music's good. You know, the whole her walking and whatever. I was like, okay. And as soon as we get this weenie in the butt ass fucking (laughs) bullshit radio, whatever, whatever the fuck this is supposed to be. Uh This crashed whatever, like straight up, this crashed whatever interest I was having. Weenie in the butt. It, it is. It's but very, I mean, even their show. It's. I mean, there's. No, it's, there's yeah, there's it's, a very. Um, the soundboard is working over. Yes, yeah. it is. <laughs> Which they need. They should throw it out the window. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that the ad was actually a necessity because they didn't have the time. Because what they were going to do was they were going to film a whole thing. Because you see that in the ad, they boast that they were voted number one. Yeah, yeah. For a magazine. Okay. They were actually going to film them being interviewed by that magazine. All right. And that was going to be the introduction to the h team okay but they couldn't but they couldn't i don't i don't uh necessarily have a problem with the promo but i feel like the vibe that we get from her this does not seem like the type of show that no, she's, that she's working it's... on not exactly i will say but i mean uh over this is over the top i don't not for this him is, yeah i know but still i i told your sister for me this would have worked better if she was a librarian or a store clerk or something else where we would have i guess had more time to develop these characters this just turned me off i was like okay i don't I feel like it works for me because it kind of is the only opening to where what we get later and how everything comes to her. 
I, I mean, you think, could get the same thing at a library, but not with what it is. Mm, I mean, <laughs> I because if I'm if sure it, I could tool it around and make it really <laughs> <laughs> put me in. God, ah, I think because I think if she's at a library, then she's just like all the other people that we'll see later, and then that kind but of th- she still is, but. She has more of a connection to it. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. I don't mind her working at the radio station. I think my only uh, thing is how fucking silly their show is. <laughs> yeah, that. I think that could have been retooled. Not necessarily. I hated it or anything, but it just shocked me. It, well, I, I maybe. Just, I was like, okay. It is hit or miss. This, yeah, yeah. Right. very hit or miss. Well, I did want to call it because I didn't know this. I was looking because both Jeff Daniel Phillips and Ken Forey kind of became zombie mainstays. Okay. Show up in a lot of his films. Yeah, yeah. But Jeff Daniel Phillips, I watch Zodiac all the time. He has like a like a 30 second scene in that movie. But he also was the Geico caveman. Shut oh, the shit. fuck up. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That will help the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Raise it up a so, point. Uh, there you go. There you go. That is hilarious. Isn't I that love surprising? those fucking commercials. <laughs> they that were was funny. So funny. I thought he was great. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say it. <laughs> but at the radio station, the H team sits behind their mics watching a music video on a large screen of Leviathan the Fleeing Serpent performing the song Crushing the Ritual. The black metal drums pound, guitars screech, and the singer with his face painted white growls lyrics as words like Satan, woman, church, and blood subliminally flash. Whitey sips his coffee and sarcastically holds up a lighter as the song ends. According to Blabbermouth, this song, of course, because he did the score, was written by John Five. Okay. Performed by him as well. But the the actual vocals were performed by Rob Zombie. What? <laughs> I, and you can hear yes, it. You can yeah. kind of hear it. I did not hear one. Yeah. No. no. <laughs> He's like, we're leaving that I, out. I almost. I was I'm like, cutting that, that out. I was like, yeah. that doesn't look like him, but it sounds. Yes. That's yes. Like, what hilarious. The fuck? It was. It was so surprising to me. But then when you go back and listen, you're like, it's totally Rob yeah. Zombie. That's so funny. I need 100%. to go back. The funny thing as well is rewatching it this time. I was like, why are they called the H Team? Every single time I watched it, I was like, oh, Heidi Herman and Herman. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> That'll do it. I guess are paying attention three, three H's <laughs> but <laughs> after a bit of radio banter Herman asks Count Gorgon the lead singer of the band played by Torsten Vogues to explain the philosophy behind their music I will say I have seen Torsten Vogues and other things I can't place it at the moment but I thought he kind of in some shots looks like John Malkovich in a wig <laughs> if it's just me I'll take it but <laughs> <laughs> I it could just be me. I don't know. <laughs> I gotta see him again now. <laughs> but in the background, Heidi and Whitey crack jokes and they do hit that soundboard pretty hard. Yeah. Yes, they do. It's real like morning zoo behavior. Yeah, yeah. they need to cut it a paycheck, to be honest. Uh, yeah. And that and that's the thing too. Just like you said, morning zoo. This is at night. It is. Yeah. So yeah, I just really wasn't <laughs> that's no. not what I was expecting. You expect the more chill vibe. Yes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um Herman's got it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. He doesn't fuck he's around. The only, he's the only yeah. one. But they're like playing like fart noises and shit. It's like, come on. <laughs> Jesus. Weenie in the butt behavior. Yeah, so seriously. Up. They're treating him like he's not even there. Yeah. yeah. Like, whatever, dude. Prank. <laughs> it's like, come on. Jesus Christ. That's so, Grow that was up. weird, too. It's like, you're interviewing this yes. dude. He's sitting right there. To his face. You're like, whatever. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> But Count Gorgon says that their philosophy is to expose the lies of Christian whores and Jesus, the true bringer of death. 
When Heidi and Whitey just burst out laughing, the Count reiterates that they're not the crying sheep of God. They're the mighty goat. Heidi and Whitey just continue to crack jokes, but she eventually asks him, why the goat? Gorgon explains that the goat has free will, and for that reason, he will always be punished by God. Gorgon says that God must die. He is the unholy pig, and they serve the butcher. This is a great interview. Yeah. <laughs> well, Herman's like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what I, the fuck? I don't know. Um, I will say it is introducing some concepts that we'll explore more later. Right. So it's an interesting way of doing it. Um, I don't know exactly that Gorgon is the right guest for the HT. Yeah. Yeah. No. no this is, it <laughs> seems very strange, especially when what, they play a lot of Rick James later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I'm like, I was really confused. So, yeah. Same shit. <laughs> what, what, uh, what vibe is yeah, this? Man. Leviathan the Flaying Serpent, Rick James. It's yeah. the same same section at the right. record store. And goats play dead when they get scared. Yeah, so, so come on, how guys. strong. Yeah, right. calm, <laughs> and calm they down. eat cans. Yeah, apparently. All right. <laughs> and they have cool names like Goatrude. So. Yeah. <laughs> but I will say, you know, as, as kind of ridiculous as the radio show is, these three actors do have chemistry together. Right. They do. And you see it even more a little bit later. Like, it almost feels like they weren't even in character. Yeah. Um, in a little bit. Like, I... I kind of want more of that yeah this relationship between the three of them right but we don't we i i will speak for myself it's just not enough no, no agree. Yeah. and it sucks that things couldn't be expanded on and it sucks that they're hitting that soundboard that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but later throughout their shift the h team grooves to rick james as i said they engage in more banter that may or may not be insensitive and then they groove to rick james some more yeah but at the end of the shift, Heidi reminds them on air that it is Monday evening, which means one thing, ladies' choice. The men predict and are correct that she wants to play Rush, so the spirit of the radio begins to play as they share a drink together. I'm looking at my notes, and I don't know what I was, what was happening to me. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but that song is pretty long. They take a break. To, it's like five minutes and some change. Mm -hmm. They take a break to take a shot. Uh -huh. I used to work with this older dude who was a DJ, and he said that anytime he needed to use the restroom or go get a snack, he would put on Layla, the original oh, one with the yeah, coda. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, you got almost fucking 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. And then, I this is in my notes. I remember that the guy that wrote the coda for Layla murdered his mom. What? Yeah, he's still in prison right now. Oh, shit. And then, uh, but then it came out that like he stole the coda from his girlfriend at the time. So he never even really wrote it. And also half sack from Sons of Anarchy killed his mom. I don't know yeah, what. Mate, what are you doing? <laughs> Wait, from you can You can cut all of that. <laughs> I don't know what. Where did, I don't know where what did half sack come from? Matricide? What are we watching again? I don't uh, know. <laughs> I think it was Sons of Anarchy. Yeah. <laughs> the rest of my notes is just murder stats. Oh, yeah. I don't even think I finished this. Well, one of one of the members of one of the um, chapters of the Sons is in this film, so, so yeah, that's what I meant. Okay, yeah. <laughs> dude, I'm, I'm trying for you, dude. <laughs> I'm giving you an M Night level yeah. of defense. <laughs> I appreciate it, and, and much I like M Night, I'm not sure you deserve it. <laughs> I give it so much; it's nice to be on the receiving end. Isn't it sad that I I I just squashed beef with Rob Zombie, and now I'm beginning. I can't. You're stop. not. You're Fuck. not beginning beef with M Night. That's been there. That's true. But I do say that he has made three perfect films. He perfect has. films. But 
Heidi and Whitey, because we're talking about the Lords of Salem. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Head to the lobby of the studio where they bump into Serena Hooten, the receptionist played by Nico Posey. So this is a- an actual recording studio that they're filming at. Okay. That's cool. And uh, I think Rob Zombie said like Elton John, like a ton of big albums were right, recorded right. here. But Serena tells Heidi that a package came for her and Heidi heads straight for it. It appears to be an old wooden box about the size of a briefcase with a very familiar sigil painted on top of it. Heidi opens it to find a vinyl record, and from an inscription on the inside of the box, she says that she thinks it's from a band called The Lords. Negative is all hell. Herman enters the room, saying that sure is shit, it's probably shit. (laughs) (laughs) Got it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's just funny because you, tonight... Just interviewed a man who said that he wants to kill God. Oh, They're yeah. like, where? Who could have? Yeah, no I shit. Like, yeah. I immediately would have assumed it was that strange man yeah. that was just yelling about goats in the booth. <laughs> yelling about yeah. goats. <laughs> I will say, though, and again, that I'm glad that you kind of put that into context with their interview. Because in a lot of horror movies, a lot of weird shit happens. And you're like, why is nobody calling this out as weird? Yeah. This isn't weird. Right. Yeah. For them, with the interview they this just had could, with. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So nothing is strange yet. The apartment's strange. Yeah. It is. <laughs> <laughs> the goal um, in apartment five <laughs> is strange. Yes. How are they paying their rent? <laughs> <laughs> but for all of Herman's negativity, Heidi says that she'll just take the record home and listen to it herself. They all say their goodbyes to Serena and head outside for a smoke. While outside, Herman offers them a ride home, which they politely decline. Before he gets into his car, though, he says that he's got to get back home to the warden and hopes he doesn't get a DWS. And they're like, you mean a DWI? He's like, no, a DWS. Driving while sexy. That killed me because I'm like, he would have said DWI. (laughs) (laughs) They have fun. They have fun. The risks we take when we get behind that wheel. (laughs) Apparently, yeah. But Whitey walks his bicycle alongside Heidi as he walks her home. They share laughs as pensive acoustic guitar plays in the background. So this is one of the sequences because the radio station is in California. Uh-huh. And the apartment obviously is in Salem. Damn. Can't even tell. No, no not, not at, at all. all. And from what I read, they only had three days to film in Salem total. Damn. And so what they're able to do, like it's oh, yeah. that's impressive. very strict, but they did it. But once upstairs in her apartment, Heidi stirs a pot of what appears to be cream gravy. It's probably just soup. We're from Texas, so I don't <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But meanwhile, Whitey pops on a Velvet Underground record and Venus and Furs begins to play. As Lou Reed croons the lyrics, Heidi and Whitey kind of almost share a moment. He asks if playing that record was too obvious and Heidi just shrugs and winks over and over. Whitey's like, what the fuck does that mean? Because <laughs> it honestly doesn't mean anything. It, it, yeah. it was nonsense. It was, <laughs> it was, it was cute, It was though. cute because, of you know, it's implying a history. Yeah. But Heidi just busts out laughing and the two vibe together in a strange kind of hippie dance, which culminates with Heidi playfully kicking Whitey in the ass. Well, more on, more on the ass. <laughs> <laughs> in his ass. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But in the hall, the music is muted as the camera pulls away from the door to apartment five. But back in apartment two, Heidi and Whitey eat a dinner of pancakes together. I do want to point out that the shape of the pancake on Whitey's fork was a triangle. So he is eating his pancakes the right way. All right. Unlike Creep, 
forgot his name. <laughs> Joseph. Joseph and Creep. Um, so she was probably mixing up pancake batter, huh? On the stove? Not cream gravy? Well, it should have been cream gravy. <laughs> oh, was it on the stove? Yeah, she was. Well, it, I thought so. <laughs> <laughs> I guess some of the camera work isn't. <laughs> <laughs> this is Rob Zombie's yeah, fault. <laughs> isn't what we need it to be. It's, it's, just, it's just a shaky cam on the, <laughs> on the gravy. Or I guess ba- batter. But Whitey jokes about Herman's wig, saying that that rug isn't fooling anyone. He says he should be rocking the Isaac Hayes look instead, and that he'd listen to Heidi if she told him to. Heidi says that she tried, but he won't listen to anyone. At this point, the record stops playing, and Heidi remarks, dead air, to which Whitey retorts, dead air hair <laughs> that was pretty good pretty good <laughs> i was like all right you're winning me over that's miles ahead of tootie fucking fruity <laughs> <laughs> they said that these lines were written in later because i guess they had an idea for a wig for ken Forey. all right and the one that they got ended up looking like shit and so they're like we gotta say something about this yeah. wig. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those own it before it owns you situations right. uh, so they put that in there but in the silence of the record dying, Whitey notices the record sent to Heidi sitting on the couch, the one from the Lords. He opens it up, remarking on the weight of the vinyl in his best Yakov Smirnoff impression for some reason. He's just on, I think. Yeah. I'm surprised he's times. not making the sound effects with this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Remember the farts from earlier? Did you love him? <laughs> I think I feel like he's on because he's trying to impress her still. Right. Um, yeah. But I will say doing a Yakov Smirnoff impression kind of... A lot of this stuff puts this film out of time. Right. And so we do see some stuff later that's very in time that kind of catches me off guard. Yeah. 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 Um, well, when he's like rock the Isaac Hayes or whatever, I was like, what year is this supposed to be? Right. And then later on, somebody's on a cell phone. Yeah. <laughs> so like, Never mind. All right. <laughs> okay. But Whitey puts the record on the player and drops the needle, but it doesn't set it properly and the needle scratches and skips. So Heidi gets up to fix it for him. In the red light of the apartment, the record begins to play. Rhythmic stomps pound, instruments scrape and screech, and low strings hum a foul melody. Whitey says that they should use this for their smash or trash segment tomorrow, but as he says this, he notices something is wrong with Heidi, who appears to be a little lightheaded. She puts her hands over her ears, and we hear the voice of Margaret Morgan say, Breathe this new world with the blessed spawn of your glory. We flash back to 1696, Margaret and her coven crowded over Priscilla, played by Lisa Marie, all bathed in the orange light of the fire. Now, Lisa Marie, according to Rob Zombie on commentary, hadn't acted in a film for several years. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. But you probably remember her from Mars Attacks. Yeah. yeah. And I think she was also in Ed Wood. She was a Tim Burton mainstay. I think they dated. Did they not? I don't know. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I do not know. But I think she's great. Yeah. And... This is um, the point where the novel and the film were originally going to begin. Oh, okay. Was with this scene we see. That they moved it around and switched it around. Uh. But the coven covers Priscilla's mouth as she screams, and Margaret cuts open her pregnant belly to steal her baby. She speaks into the baby's ear as it cries, and she licks blood off of its cheek. But she immediately appears displeased, spitting the blood back into the baby's face, and says that its vile taste sickens her. Like, what did you expect it to taste like? Maybe other babies have tasted well, great. <laughs> it's never going to be as good as a can. I mean, <laughs> but... <laughs> She's not a goat. <laughs> <laughs> they love goats. Um, goats love it. <laughs> no, at this point, I was like, oh, Heidi's that baby. And then I was like, wait, May, this, is hold the on. Si- <laughs> this is the 1600s. Like 300 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> 
I all I thought was that's not that's not the best way to come into this world. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I hope that's not his first memory. That's all I was thinking. He's like, fuck like, Jesus this. Christ. Put me back in. I also wanted to say it made me laugh that when they were playing the record, I watched this on Shutter uh-huh. and the subtitles said discordant and then they put music in quotes. Wow. <laughs> I was like, no, it's music. There is a melody. <laughs> I mean, you wouldn't hear it on the radio. I'll say that. No. But they did say that the instruments that they use, like there is nothing digital on this recording. Mm-hmm. It is completely. I like it. Yeah. There's something. I don't know. Maybe maybe we're witches. I don't know. But there's <laughs> <laughs> something enticing about it. But Margaret tells her sisters that they have failed and then devolves into speaking tongues angrily at the baby before spitting in its face over and over again. See, honestly, I was fully prepared to just let y'all vibe and do your thing. I uh-huh. saw nothing wrong with what y'all were doing by the fire and everything. But when you start spitting on babies, <laughs> that's I, that's too much. Can we also talk about cutting someone open? I guess, Nays. Well, that part. Okay. But <laughs> I was just like, oh, it was just rude. No, it's too yeah. far. Like, it's rude. Like, this is your introduction to the world, like yeah. you said. It's like, God damn. <laughs> Maybe not. Um, They did say on commentary that this baby is a robot. All right. So there was yeah, no spitting could, in a baby's uh, face. Well, I mean, good. Yeah. I didn't think that they were actually spitting in a baby's face, but... I will say that a lot of times in movies when they use dolls or something oh like that, God. it is so jarring and hilarious. Like yeah, it, yeah. this did not, it didn't look like a robot baby. I think they hit it enough with shadows. Yeah. It was an American sniper where right. fucking <laughs> exactly. Bradley Cooper's holding a doll. And he's like, my son or whatever. I never seen the movie. <laughs> I just imagine he's fucking ridiculous. But <laughs> if he's holding that baby, what is this movie? Right. Yeah. yeah no, that's know. the thing. <laughs> like we're supposed to take this part seriously. Yeah. I've never seen it either, but yeah, I have either. seen that baby and uh, I've enough. seen enough. Yeah. <laughs> But back in present day, Whitey stops the music and asks Heidi if she's okay. She says that she is, but that she just got really tired all of a sudden. Whitey says that he should probably leave as it's a long ride home, but Heidi says that he can crash on the couch. This is when he's like, really? The couch? And she repeats herself. Yeah, the couch. So up until then, I was like, their friendship is very cute. Uh He clearly has a crush on her. Maybe it's mutual. But that line, I'm like, oh, stuff has happened before. Yeah, right. yeah. Because I, I would think that with the relationship we see them having, mm-hmm. it's not a common thing for him to try to push an issue. He wouldn't have right, been right. expecting to not sleep on the couch. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. But later that night, Heidi slips into the kitchen for a late night snack. After finishing it, she puts her plate in the sink and heads back to her bedroom. As she walks down the hall, Heidi does not notice margaret morgan standing dirty and naked in her bathroom (gasps) (laughs) i will say the first time i saw that i was very shocked by it Mm -hmm. it kind of caught me off guard and scared the shit out of me a little bit i think the thing is because i usually hate the fish-eyed lens thing right but i feel like it worked really well here because it kind of brings margaret closer to you and it makes her appear more threatening right even though she's not doing anything yeah she's just standing there i did enjoy that part of the movie i feel like because in other movies they would have noticed them right so the not noticing it it's like they're there but we don't notice it yet which is infinitely more frightening yeah because it's like well then what's your plan yeah Yeah. what are you doing i did want to call out uh the director of photography is brandon trost i think he does really good work in this film Uh a lot of interesting choices with angles and lighting and everything right 
I will say that I looked at his filmography and he's done a lot of music videos, mm -hmm. but he's also like majorly the things that he's most known for is working with Seth Rogen. <laughs> what? Okay. Yeah. So he likes to get high. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Seems like a cool dude. Yeah. We love Seth Rogen. In we do. Song. I was just surprised. I was like, he did Lords of Salem and uh, Seth Rogen. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think he directed an American Pickle, that film. All right. <laughs> yeah. It's like, good for you, dude. I Versatile. Range. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But we get the title card, Tuesday. We see Heidi walking the daylit streets of Salem, passing a newspaper box for Dig Boston with a picture of the H-Team on the side of it, that magazine cover that they had, that we saw in their ad. But we hear the voice of Ted Delta, a drug counselor played by Brandon Cruz. So Brandon Cruz was a child actor in the 60s and 70s, but then after he grew up, he became a punk rock singer. And he actually, for two years, was the lead singer of Dead Kennedys. What? what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was very interesting. To me, it was interesting because I'm like, well, when did Rob Zombie like become aware of this dude? Mm -hmm. Because you know he uses a lot of actors that he saw as a kid yeah. right, on like TV shows in the 60s and 70s. But also, he was in the New York rock scene right in the 80s and yeah. it's like well did you fucking either you yeah know, did you meet him there because he was in punk bands in the 80s as well so it's like i you know <laughs> that's really cool pretty cool and a very small role but you yeah. know good to see him flexing his acting chops again i guess after <laughs> the shows he a was while on. Yeah. yeah but ted talks about his struggles with addiction after watching his mother go down the same path and not learning from her mistakes at the meeting itself we see a group in a circle with heidi seated next to ted Ted implores the group to learn from his mistakes, even as he continues to struggle himself. After the meeting, Heidi thanks him for his speech. So, I will say, I did think this was interesting in a Rob Zombie film for someone to get a bit of character. Yeah. A bit of a background. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Probably not enough. Yeah. It's not well, enough. I, I, I think that sobriety looks different for everybody. Right. If you're sober from one thing, that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be sober from everything mm -hmm. but it was interesting to me to see her here right after we saw her taking tequila shots and getting drunk the night before right so i just i mean i guess i wanted clarification i guess we do get that later but it just it was a little i was like oh okay yeah, it was a little surprising yeah. yeah it does kind of worry me or at least it did the first time i watched it because i was like okay so she has a history of addiction. Yeah. I'm worried that people won't believe her when they tell her she's seeing some mm, things. That's yeah, interesting. Yeah. They'll think that she's relapsed potentially. Yeah. yeah. And it kind of adds a layer to her character that kind of gets played with a little bit. Yeah. But again. Not enough. Not enough. Yeah. But at WIQZ Studios, Herman announces on air that he is now dairy and gluten free. Whitey cracks jokes but Heidi fronts him immediately, saying that she just saw him eating a grilled cheese sandwich five minutes ago. According to Herman, though, sandwiches don't count, which is the most nonsensical <laughs> rule. No, no, no. Heard. No. no, no, no. I will subscribe to that. <laughs> I will not allow it. I, I need it explained to me. How, how did they not count? Because Ken Forey said that they don't oh, okay, count. Okay, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> but Heidi immediately shifts gears to an interview with Francis Mathias, an author played by Bruce Davison, who is in studio. Senator Kelly. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> From what, the X-Men? Yes. Wow. <laughs> he was also in The Crucible in the 90s, which I thought was interesting because here he's back. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. You know, he played a role. He he was a fucking, I think he was a, one of the dicks. In a, really? Yeah, one of the, 
<laughs> dicks. One of the dicks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that's what they called them in the 1600s. But, <laughs> but here he's uh, not so much. He's honestly, I think in this film, he brings like such a jovial, almost like very relatable and light presence. Yeah. Right. And I think that it's very needed here because a lot of the film kind of gets pretty dark. Yes. But Heidi intros his book, Satan's Last Stand, The Truth About the Salem Witch Trials, remarking that he looks very attractive on the back cover. From there, it kind of devolves into some lighthearted banter with Francis complimenting her tattoos and Whitey clearly getting jealous about it. Yeah, he it's just like, be cool, dude. Yeah. Like- <laughs> <laughs> but Francis says that he has a wife, so it's all just playful banter. It doesn't mean anything. But when things do calm down from that, Herman asks Francis how many people were killed during the Salem Witch Trials. Francis says that it was about 25, which disappoints Whitey as he expected a larger number. Heidi then asks if there were any real witches in Salem, and Francis speaks about the current Wiccan population of Salem, calling them a spiritual, earth-based religion. Of course, Whitey denigrates them with insults and, of course, the soundboard. <laughs> Always ever, gets, ever yeah. present. Yeah. In the worst possible way. There is an odd bit I did whenever whitey says that all the wiccans probably have like hairy armpits or whatever heidi counters that saying that she shaves her armpits and francis goes well that's a pity i was like calm down yeah i was like what What is happening (laughs) herman's like we're are we doing an interview (laughs) but herman redirects the conversation asking if there are any classic witches francis gives kind of an asshole answer saying that there are no classic witches and that witchcraft is a psychotic belief brought on by a delusional mind. I felt like for someone who's literally written a book on the subject, mm-hmm. yeah. that, that was very closed-minded. That, I was, his yeah. answer surprised me. I was shocked because, again, he seems very charming. Yeah. So I thought he would be more open-minded. Not that I necessarily expected him to be the harbinger, but like yeah. maybe a little bit. Yeah. That it's like there were things going on that, right, you know, right. we we probably don't understand. But the fact that he's like, nah, I yeah. was like, okay. <laughs> Fair enough. They did say in the novel that at this moment, because he spent his whole life studying it, mm-hmm. they said that he was holding back his anger because he's like, what the fuck are you asking me this for? Like he was mad. No. But, <laughs> but I'm like, I would imagine if you go to be interviewed about this book, you should, you're probably going to get yeah. some back to be asked. <laughs> 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 witchy questions, but all right. God damn. I'm glad, I'm glad they changed that. Yeah. Uh, the other thing, this, whenever the cast, cause I, dude, I was like, ate up with Rob Zombie films whenever I was younger and I would get all of these updates from his website Uh about all these cast members that are joining the Lords of Salem and one that I did remember and I looked up and I was right was Bruce Dern was supposed to play this character okay but Rob Zombie said that whatever reason it didn't work out and he never elaborated on why. And on the commentary, he didn't even name Bruce Dern. He just said the actor we had previously. What happened? No idea. I want the tea. Me too. Bruce Davison, they said that he came in like the day that he's filming this was the day that he met Rob Zombie. and huh. he, But he came in, he does great. Yeah. He really does. But as the interview draws to a close, we see a few things happen around town. At the Engine House restaurant, Jarrett Perkins, played by Michael Seamus Wiley, handles a customer on the phone who called in with a late order, while Macy Mather... An employee played by Dustin Quick clears a table in her section. Mather. Mather. Hmm. Elsewhere, woman getting into shower, 
played by Judy Thompson, switches on the radio in her bathroom, tuning into WIQZ to hear Heidi plugging Francis's book and officially ending the interview. So I did want to say we kind of stopped a bit on Maisie Mather. Yeah. Being a name that's important. It would be important if, if Judge Mather was still here. Is still yeah. Here. But um, we do get Michael Seamus Wiley, who I remember was on Breaking Bad. He was yes. the ASAC. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, for Hank and them. <laughs> <laughs> the DEA, I think it's called. <laughs> for Hank, Hank and, and company. Them? Yeah. <laughs> like apostrophe in. But I, I do. <laughs> he was on, wasn't he on Sons of Anarchy as like one of the chapter leaders yes, or something? Yes, he was. He was. And it was Half Sax Landlady. Oh, in real life? Yeah. So let me clarify a talking point that really has nothing has to no. do with it. Just it, cut all of it out. It, Just cut it all of it out. had nothing to do with it when it seemed to have something. <laughs> <laughs> now it has even less. Good, Good Lord. All right. Well, we'll just carry on. I'm really earning my seat today. <laughs> <laughs> but Whitey introduces the next segment, Smash or Trash, and tosses it over to Heidi, who tells their audience about the record they're going to play. She admits that it's a weird one, especially because she has no info on it, but says that it comes from a band called The Lords. Herman assumes that they're locals, so he says, we'll just call them The Lords of Salem. Listen, All right. <laughs> <laughs> you can't just rename their no, band. <laughs> and why are you assuming they're local? I, you can't. There was yeah. so much about this that was kind of like so ridiculous that it was funny uh -huh. because like even later on it's like it's from a band called the lords of Satan. no, no it's not we never <laughs> yeah no, that's not their never name said that yeah it's like a magician named gob yeah. <laughs> like, no 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 that was never that's was not never it. my name but <laughs> francis upon hearing the lords of salem appears very uneasy but Herman says that the phone lines are open and tells their listeners to get ready to smash or trash. We see the woman at home disrobing, Macy washing dishes at the restaurant, and we also see Virginia Cable, a tech at the local TV station, played by the one and only, lovely, and wickedly talented and possibly my betrothed, Barbara Good Crampton. Lord. <laughs> Just say Get her the name. Fucking name. <laughs> it's Barbara Crampton. <laughs> Wickedly talented. <laughs> I had to throw that no, in there. That's, that's very cool. I will say that she does not have a lot to do in this film. Right. And no. it, it upsets me because it, there was a lot of stuff that was cut that we'll talk about later. Right, right. But we see them drop the needle on the Lords of Salem record. And as the eerie music begins to play, something happens. The three credited women and other uncredited women across town listening to the broadcast take notice of it and almost appear in a trance, dropping whatever they were doing. Heidi grimaces at the sound of the song in her headphones and asks Whitey to mute it, which he does, but Francis continues to look on concerned. It was interesting to me that it's clear at this point it's only affecting women. Right. Because when they were in the apartment, I was like, oh, it's her yeah it's not just her it's just women yeah in yeah. salem interesting i will say that this is about the extent of what we see the record doing at this point yeah in the novel macy mather is um making it sweet we'll say with her uh, boyfriend <laughs> and she gets the urge to cut off all of her hair with a pair of scissors and carve the sigil into her chest and murder her boyfriend all right that's a lot <laughs> 
<laughs> that was gonna happen right now. Yes, that's a lot. <laughs> that's fucking. <laughs> that, that's too that's much. Too yeah. much. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, just drop the dishes. What? <laughs> the fuck? Yes. So that's that's stuff going on in the background. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. We talked about it being bloodier <laughs> and whatnot. No yeah. shit. Yeah. So no, I don't. I prefer this to that. <laughs> a little mystery, a little decorum, please. But after the broadcast, Francis asks Heidi where the record came from, but she says that according to Serena, it just appeared at the station with a note for her. Even worse, it came to her very specifically, addressing her by her real name. I was glad to hear that she had a real name, nothing against the surname, but I was like, Heidi LaRock cannot be yeah. a DJ. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. that's a DJ name. But seemingly shrugging it off, Francis says that he's going to head home to get the critique from his wife and says goodbye to the H team. In the novel, like, as I said, he was all pissed off about those questions. At this point, all he's doing is just beating himself up, saying that he was horrible on the radio. And it's like really sad. It's like, man, this guy's. Yeah. Is that me? Yeah. <laughs> I've never related to a character. Say, hard fucking relate. Oh my God. <laughs> but we see Francis arrive home to a pretty sweet looking apartment, and he's greeted by Alice, his wife, played by Maria Conchita Alonso, who is painting a picture. Once he finally gets the stubborn front door closed, he asks how he did on the radio. Uh, I gotta say. I don't know how much I've said it on the show, but it is a running joke. And between the three of us, she was on Desperate Housewives. Oh my God. <laughs> In all honesty, she at this point, Gabby's mom. it'd be oh, easier sh- <laughs> to say who wasn't on Desperate yeah. Housewives. Yeah. <laughs> but Alice lovingly tells him that, of course, she listened to the radio and that he was fantastic. Even more, she recorded it for him just in case he wanted to hear it back. He refuses, though, saying that he hates the sound of his own voice, and she jokes that she has to listen to it every day. (laughs) Very cute. Yeah. But once again, yeah. (laughs) I love this guy. We see each other. (laughs) I will say for like, we only get like maybe like two, three scenes with them. Yeah. I like their chemistry. Yes, they're very cute together. Like a lot. But Francis asks her if she recorded the music that was played, which she did, and she reheats some leftover pasta for their dinner, while Francis says that something about that music really upset him, especially the band's name. Stop. The Lords of Salem. (laughs) (laughs) That wasn't their name. Yeah, no, not at all. (laughs) But he wonders aloud where he heard that name before. (laughs) Man. Why didn't they just call... Why didn't... In the film, why don't we just just make it the Lords of Salem? I don't know. That's something to, and I I hate being that guy, but that bothered me throughout (laughs) the rest of the movie because it's like, no, no, no. It's not. Y'all just made that name up. (laughs) Yeah. We watched you. On the spot. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We watched you. I, and it, it's funny because from here on out, they are kind of, I think they're referred to the Lords like maybe one more time, Yeah, <laughs> but then they're just the Lords of Salem. Yeah. They've changed. They were like, damn, why didn't we think of that? Yeah, fuck. <laughs> That's a lot better. Just call us that. Call yeah. us that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but back at the station, as Heidi and Whitey leave for the night, Whitey does not hide his jealousy over Heidi's remark about Francis being cute. She tells him not to be jealous as Herman comes out to say his good nights for the evening. He sidles up to Heidi, though, and with very fatherly energy, sincerely tells Heidi to get some sleep. The hosts part company, and Heidi walks home alone. In the night, with headphones on, Heidi practices her French, which I did not know she was trying to learn. Yeah. (laughs) 
uh i if i know anything that duolingo bird was like bitch you got two hours (laughs) (laughs) you see what time it is (laughs) her phone exploded blow you the fuck up but it did i the other night when whitey volunteers to walk her home Uh and they kind of hang out for a little bit i would have liked even if they're not hanging out if he still walked her home yeah because this kind of makes me feel like he was trying to Get it in. Yeah. Get it in. <laughs> and it didn't work out. So he's like, well, I'm just going to go home. Like, I I would have liked a little more like, no, I want to make sure that you get home safe and then I'll go home. Like, if that was kind of their routine, I, yeah. w- I would have liked that better. Because now it just feels like, okay, bye. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I, they the seemed, couch. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going home. Yeah. It seemed very cute. But like, as it goes on, it is giving less cute. Right. That is fair. That is fair. Because, I mean, there is no reason for that to not be their routine. Right. Yeah. And he did, but he did say that it is a long ride home. Come on, man. She lives like up the street. So we see. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I guess if she's walking to work, it can't be that yes. bad. I don't know. Whitey should have walked her home. God damn yeah. it, Whitey. I'll admit it. But when she makes it back to the apartment building, she bumps into Lacey, who invites her to meet her sisters. In apartment one sits Sonny, played by Dee Wallace, and Megan, played by Patricia Quinn. So among a ton of other credits, you got et's mom yeah. yeah well i mean i guess not et's mom yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's just some random alien lady <laughs> that was never established in the film <laughs> but you know what i fucking mean she's here now. <laughs> i did yes. not remember no, that being the choice that was of the <laughs> and and magenta from rocky horror yeah. that's all i was trying to say et's mom <laughs> and magenta from rocky horror <laughs> So many icons, so little time. And Cujo, right? Yeah, also yeah. Cujo's mom. <laughs> <laughs> I did I did want to point out that <laughs> um, Rob Zombie said that, I guess, Patricia Quinn and Dee Wallace's ideas or methods of acting were so far apart. Uh-huh. Patricia Quinn is of the mind of like, it's on the page, we're saying it. Yeah. If there's a breath or there's a sigh, we're saying it, we're doing it. Yeah. Uh, D. Wallace is a little more laid little back. Looser. Yeah. And so if she would add an uh to a line, Patricia Quinn would lose where she was. <laughs> oh, wow. wow. And so she's that structured. And so they fucking, he said they were at each other's throats. I bet. <laughs> yeah. But they worked it out. Yeah. And it works out. But I mean, it is interesting because to me, it feels like the character of Megan who Patricia Quinn plays feels more laid back. Yeah. Then that is interesting. Yeah. So it's like, all right, fair enough. Acting. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I do also want to point out, cause I have to, but the three sisters can't say why it reminds me of Suspiria just yet. Right. <laughs> but I feel like we all knew exactly why. It did. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but Sonny and Megan seem jovial and cool asking Heidi to join the party. Heidi agrees to come back down after she feeds Troy, and the sisters are overjoyed to hear that. She, like, does not really want to. And you can tell she doesn't want to. She doesn't. But we all find ourselves in those shitty... I know, but I just would have been like, no, it's cool, like... You're, I mean, your sisters have obviously yeah, yeah, yeah. as it goes no, no no i'm saying if i'm the landlady oh you're saying she didn't want heidi there no heidi did not want to be there right so if i'm inviting somebody and they reacted the way heidi oh. did i'd be like you're good dude go yeah. rest that's true. next time but i can get like later on why, why? that isn't really <laughs> yeah. an option but as heidi heads upstairs Lacey offers a very creepy we'll be waiting 
Yeah. Ma'am, yeah. I'm not coming back down. <laughs> no, hell no. I've changed my mind. Actually, I also have to eat. Ma'am. Yeah. <laughs> but Lacey returns to her sisters in the apartment. But when Heidi enters her apartment, in the background of the shot, we see a hanging lamp in front of apartment five swaying back and forth. I really liked that. Yeah. Yes. This is the, what I'm talking about. It's very subtle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say the subtlety. Yeah. yeah. Which, that- again, is not what you expect no No, and 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 this is where i again just that small shot yeah and it's just the simple fact that it's just that light yes and it's like that's effective that's very very effective Mm -hmm. and i enjoyed that yes but then other stuff (laughs) but then there's more movies (laughs) (laughs) like remember the light jp But inside her apartment, Heidi calls out for Troy in the dark. But when she switches on the light in the kitchen, Margaret floats filthy and nude in the corner of the room. The look on her face is haunting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She fucking kills it in yeah. there. She does. Like, she is scary. I'm honestly, like, I know that there's an iconic image of Sherry Moon in this movie that comes later. Right. But Margaret Morgan deserves her flowers. No, yes. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? I think more, and that's just a part of this film to me, I feel like being underrated is a lot of people don't talk about it enough. Yeah. Meg Foster in this, I can't say it enough. Dude. Yeah. yeah. And did you know that she was married to Stephen McCaddy from uh, Pontypool? Is that right? Yeah. That's all. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> that one was relevant. Yeah, hey, there yeah. you go. <laughs> but what does this have to do with Sons of Anarchy? Focus. <laughs> Focus in. <laughs> this was Clay. All right. <laughs> it always was Clay. He wouldn't let him have it. But <laughs> Heidi doesn't notice Margaret at all and just feeds Troy before heading out like she said she would. The funny thing is that Rob Zombie said that there were problems with this dog the entire filming. <laughs> wow. And there comes a point where we just don't see the dog anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Which makes me laugh because he's just like, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> Forget it. They can't all be mushroom. No, no, no. It's, it's uh, <laughs> funny to me that you mentioned that because as I'm watching this, I'm like, and not necessarily that I want anything cliched, but any other movie that dog would be reacting in a certain yeah. way right and troy really did not did not give a shit he's no. like oh maggie's here like yeah. he didn't give a fuck <laughs> oh kibble you say yeah. <laughs> he didn't give a shit at all not at all but down in apartment one beneath a lit up picture of jesus christ the women polish off another bottle of wine together with a toast heidi learns that Sonny is a self-help guru who quote helps lost people find their way again and megan is a palm reader Listen, I was like, pour me a glass. (laughs) Hell yes. This sounds awesome. Yeah, right now. Right right now. It's It's like a facade of this really cool shit. But even more, Megan says that she's not just any palm reader. She sees things beneath the surface. And I don't mean like veins and bones and shit. (laughs) Cosmically. Oh, man. Which again. Yeah. Yes. Pour me a glass. Heidi says that she's never had her palm read before, admitting that she thought it was all bullshit. She says no offense, of course, but Megan does take offense, admonishing the plastic people with crystal balls and neon signs who have destroyed the value of her gift. I don't blame her. No. With that, though, and a request from Lacey, Heidi gives Megan her hand. That that would make me... I would probably be a little uncomfortable, Uh but that would also... Hearing her say that would make me be like, okay, well... 
you're not trying to scam me yeah. or you're not let's see what you got to say and i haven't paid anything yeah, yeah. no you didn't ask for payment you didn't anything no. that's just... why after she's like that'll be 150 <laughs> <laughs> and 50 <laughs> plus and i expect a tip, a tip. Yeah. <laughs> but megan says that the hand and the brain are one with one quarter of the motor cortex in the brain being devoted to the hand from what i could find this checks out yeah interesting yeah. Nice. so if you don't like the movie there's one thing you can take away <laughs> <laughs> take an interest in science right yes guys? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Oy vey>. All right. <laughs> but megan says that the lines are formed at a subatomic and cellular level the lines of her life she takes heidi's right hand telling her that the right hand signifies the future she then points to a line and heidi asks if it's her lifeline megan says it's actually the line of fate the length of your life doesn't matter. After all, it's what you do with that time. I like that. Yeah. Heidi asks what her destiny is then, but the sisters explain there's a difference between fate and destiny. Megan says you can premeditate the outcome with destiny, but fate leaves you with no choice. I don't want to know my fate. No. <laughs> like, I love tarot and stuff like that that gives you, like, watch out for this. Yeah, yeah. These are red flags. Avoid this. Not, oh, this is going to happen and there's fucking yeah, <laughs> nothing, nothing you can do about it. No matter what. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. Get used to it. Heidi isn't a fan of that either, but Megan tells her to make peace with her subconscious desires. The wicked thoughts in her head that explode in the juices between her legs. Not the juices between right. the legs. Yeah. I'm going to be well, honest. I can't believe you read that. I, <laughs> it took me a moment. <laughs> There's a lot of ellipses in here. <laughs> if you had read it, I would have said, exploding yeah. in the juices. <laughs> so <laughs> I got to get through it. It's written on the page. It's written on the page. <laughs> Rob Zombie said it. I didn't fucking say it. It wasn't me. <laughs> But Sunny looks on, kind of like me, thinking, well, that's a little too far. That was a yeah, lot. She's passionate. She's very passionate. But it was very, like, like condemning. Like, it was, like, it was rough. And it gets worse. Well, yeah. yeah. But we zoom in on a statue between candles of what appears to be Jesus healing the sick. I didn't know if that was supposed to signify yeah. anything exactly. But Megan continues... Heidi must make peace with the darkness in her soul and the only reason she exists... God damn. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Aren't we just drinking wine? Yeah. <laughs> Do I owe you money or yeah, something? Yeah, fine. Like, I will pay to leave. Yeah. That's fine. That's fine. Was I late on my rent? Yeah. <laughs> like, why are y'all coming for me so hard? At this point, Heidi does excuse herself from the little get together. Lacey apologizes for Megan's adamance and Sonny scolds her for being drunk. Lacey admits that she's embarrassed, but Heidi tells her not to worry about it and to have a good night. I do want to commend her leaving mm -hmm. yes because i feel like in most other films it'd be like why the fuck would you still sit there and it's yeah, like yeah. oh like being socially polite blah, blah blah no she's like i'm done and i would like to think that that would make me get up and leave right yeah. but also like because i don't know if you're gonna say isn't she like it's really annoying when yeah. you do that? <laughs> <laughs> yes after Heidi leaves, Megan's like, I think that went well. Yeah. yeah. But she's not saying it like the 80s sitcom way. She really yeah. thinks it went well. <laughs> well, yeah. that went well. But after that, yeah. well, or whatever. Yeah. I don't know what sitcom that was, but. <laughs> Lacey disagrees, asking why she has to get so intense with her readings and calls her annoying. Like so, you said. So that's the point I wanted to make. If I invite somebody over 
and I know one of y'all does some weird, intense shit like that. Uh-huh. The minute y'all are like, well, give me your hand. I'm going to be like, no, 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 Let's We'll do that another time. Like, True. Yeah. I would try to put the kibosh on that because you kind of fucking <laughs> killed the whole evening. Oh, doing it's gone. That. Yeah. And the thing as well is like, again, if we're, say we're at a party. Right. Somebody reads poems. That's the fucking coolest thing. Yes, yeah, of course. Yeah. Anybody is doing in the room. Yes. But not the way Megan does no. it. No. <laughs> <laughs> But upstairs, in an overhead shot, as the music reaches a piercing note, a transparent Margaret creeps across the hall. Again, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. The I think the thing that there are a few jump scares in this film. Right. But to me, they're effective because they're not false. Yeah. They're actually trying to scare you. Yeah, yeah. Out of it's the not, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> That's my biggest pet peeve. Don't use cats against me. That's number one. <laughs> That's number one. But in her apartment, Heidi rests in her bed as the 1952 noir film Kansas City Confidential plays on her television. We see a man on the screen wearing a mask. All right. And masks will become important later as kind of a motif. Okay. But the interesting thing is that what was supposed to be on the television was a subplot involving a serial killer played by Daniel Roebuck. Oh, shit. He was in The Devil's Rejects, too. Yeah. Yeah. And he plays who I refer to mistakenly as Papa Munster and learned it's it's Grandpa Munster (laughs) and was clowned roundly for it. (laughs) But it was supposed to be something that came up later in uh, Nightmare that we didn't get. Okay. Which is kind of a shame. Yeah. Because that could have been cool. Yeah, I, I'm not going to lie. When you said subplot on the TV, I immediately was like, no, I'm glad it didn't make it in. But that actually sounds interesting. So I had a quick question. What's and up? This, this kind of just reminded me of it. I noticed in a lot and, and not just this movie, but like they always use old movies. Is that just because it's copyright or like, I mean, I feel like if you were making a movie and you're like, hey, you mind if I use a little clip from a movie? You Hell Yeah. You know what I mean? I what do you mean? Yeah. Like, uh, cool. All right. Hey, I'm going to throw you a little love and have your shit on the. Yeah. It, oh, hell yeah. Cool. But like, it's always black and white movies. It's always something old. It usually is. I it, personally, I feel like it adds to the aesthetic, but I can see why it's kind of. I mean, it's just weird. It's you know? it's interesting. Yeah. Uh, when I know we always talk about Night of the Living Dead. Right. Right. Because that's free to use. Yeah. yeah. I wonder what cost they paid for this. It does suck because a lot of times if, say, like directors are friends or whatever, yeah, yeah. a lot of times it's not the directors that own the picture. It's the fucking right, studio. Right. right. So if uh, me and Rob Zombie are friends and I'm like, hey, Rob, can I don't look at me like that? I'm yeah. not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking down at my nose. <laughs> I would love to be friends with Rob Zombie. <laughs> if, if me and Rob Zombie are friends yeah. and I'm like, hey, can I use a clip from the Lords of Salem? It depends on if he owns it. Right. Uh, all right. All right. All right. I, yeah. I could have to go talk to Jason Blum. Yeah. In this instance, I assumed it was for aesthetic purposes i feel like who were trying who he is setting holly holly (laughs) who he's setting up heidi as a person she would be watching this yeah i felt like it was purely to like make her like oh and she walked you know what i mean Uh but um usually i'm like like in a life is strange the before the storm they're performing the tempest uh-huh. and i'm like what are the themes in the tempest this is gonna tell me what's gonna like i always assume yeah. it like that like yes. if it's an old black and white movie what is that what happens in it like these themes are gonna be repeated in this yeah That's what yeah. i always assume and what's difficult about rob zombie is that sometimes that is true yeah and other times it's like no he just loves that movie right yeah. <laughs> you never know so it's like all yeah. right yeah. <laughs> 
But Heidi coughs herself awake and heads into the kitchen for a drink of water. We get a wide shot of the apartment in the dark, familiar angles, but no sign of Margaret. Just then, Heidi hears Troy barking, only she hears him from outside in the hall. When she steps out of her apartment, she sees him scratching at the door to apartment five. So on commentary, Rob Zombie said that this sequence was supposed to happen on the night that Whitey spent the night. Okay. And he left the door open, which is how Troy gets out. Uh, yeah, right. I was like, how the hell did he get exactly. out? Exactly. Yeah. To me, it works way better. It's scarier. Exactly. Yeah. But the fact that she she goes and she's like, how'd you get out? I'd be like, what, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you're at this weird, creepy yeah. ass door. It's like, Lacey, oh, we're moving hell. out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> me and Troy are finding a new place to live. <laughs> but she does drag him back to her place by his collar and kind of takes it very easy. Yes. But before she can head back inside, she sees the door to apartment five creak open. Red light reflects off the shiny black pane of the door as Heidi inches her way to the now open apartment. Absolutely not. No, there's no way in hell. Mm -mm. I understand curiosity. Right. But if you remember that tale, it doesn't end well for the cat. (laughs) (laughs) So no, to all of this. (laughs) But once inside the apartment, we get a long shot through the drab hallway, Heidi standing in the doorway bathed in red light. This looks awesome. Yeah. There's a lot of really good looking shots Mm -hmm. in this film, and this is one of my favorites. But as she steps in further, the door closes by itself. A heartbeat pulses in the background, very much a nod to The Shining. Mm, Yeah. Take a shot. Yes. We finally see what's inside apartment five, though. A red neon crucifix is embedded in the wall, and as it shakes and hums, Heidi holds her hands up to it. Where's Miguel? <laughs> Miguel's going to sue somebody. Yeah, think of Miguel, too. My horror confessional. Yes. yes. Every Friday. Yeah, subscribe, subscribe. It's great. It's great. But in a roar, the camera pulls back to reveal the silhouette of Beelzebub, a large hairy beast played by Roger W. Morrissey, watching her. Is that that skunk ape? Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> Are we it, finally meeting it? I thought it was Bigfoot. I was like, what the so fuck? The Sasquatch has entered the chat. Yeah. I think it was that skunk ape that was running around doing dastardly shit in House of a Thousand Corpses. Oh, me and my person. <laughs> oh, me and my person. I am even more excited. Yeah. <laughs> I always, they never expanded. I always wanted to meet the skunk ape. Yeah. Wow. And his name is Beelzebub, yeah. apparently. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> But its breath rumbles as Heidi stares into the crucifix with her hands raised. Again, another great moment. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I have in my notes is this is actually a really great shot. Yeah. Like, it looks really good. And I was genuinely, there is something about the sound design where that rumble goes through you. Yeah. yeah. And it's, I thought it was great. But it gets even worse. Because in a vision, through the crooked trees of hell, Beelzebub steps through the orange light of flames, towering over two guards holding pitchforks. But when we cut back to the apartment, Beelzebub is gone. Heidi lowers her hands, walking in a trance back to her apartment. As the camera presses in on her, Margaret's voice whispers, Sister, feel the earth, taste of the air. She asks Heidi to hear the sound of the clouds and the scent of the wind all becoming one. She warns that the horrors of the deceivers are gathering around them. Listen, before you started with the horrors, this sounded a lot like my guided meditation. <laughs> I was like, I'm feeling calmer already. I'm vibing like yes, no other. Great. Usually I have to pay $1.99 for this. 
But Margaret suddenly appears nude in front of Heidi, telling her that she is the blade by which they'll bleed the daughters of Salem. Now I need you to excuse me for a moment. (laughs) (laughs) And I do apologize beforehand. (laughs) But what she actually says is the cunting daughters of Salem, which is, of course, a reference to the exorcist. I don't think... He's ever seen The Exorcist, but oh. if he <laughs> <laughs> he's done better. He, okay, all right. All he's, right. he's better. I'm still mad about Texas Chainsaw. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and that was one interview. I will say we did talk about that in House of a Thousand Corpses, and I always felt bad about it because it kind of painted him in the wrong light. But I do want to say that he did in other interviews reference his love all right all uh, right all right we're not trying to fight anyone okay it's a a nod to the exorcist there we go okay all right thank you rob (laughs) (laughs) but heidi sweats with the sigil in blood on her forehead as margaret asks dear heidi bleed us a king maybe it's me Mm -hmm. i'm vibing with the witch stuff oh yeah i don't like the you know c-section i don't like the spitting oh, right, on the right. babies i don't like everything y'all are doing but like the sisterhood shit yeah i'm here for it so when she said a king well, nah, not I a queen kinda, I, I didn't love that i'm just speaking well, for me personally well but i mean in all fairness i mean there's never been a rule that the fucking antichrist has to be a dude true yeah right? that just that gave me pause and the fact that you know it's sisters and then this and then really like a gut punch of misogyny just right after (laughs) with the horse stuff i mean like right after well (laughs) (laughs) well here's the thing we there's a lot of stuff we don't agree with 100 percent of what our friends say (laughs) sometimes they're quite problematic (laughs) i was like okay all right like you have to do that yeah that wasn't needed you can insult people you don't like without (laughs) yeah without resorting without doing that shit yeah but she's from dude she's from the 1600s We can't expect her to be as proper as we would like. (laughs) But Margaret holds her hands up to Heidi, and Heidi returns the favor. We get a shot of the seven graves of Margaret's coven, twisted crosses planted into the ground as fog billows around them. Margaret's skeletal corpse is hung at the center of her grave. The camera presses in on them, but we're suddenly taken back to the hall where Margaret screams, Bleed us a king! Heidi wakes up in fright in her bed, but calms herself and Troy before going to sleep again. But hanging in her room is a large metal torture device that squeaks and sways. I was like, what the, what yeah. the hell is that? <laughs> yeah, I thought it was a pinata like- or something. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah, I was like, well, at least they left or something. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's That's all right. nice of them. Got candy in it. I hope so. Pretty big. Who knows what else? It's she's fucking like- huge. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It's like Big Daddy from Bioshock. Oh, it's shit. like, oh, she's just a cosplayer. Yeah. It's fine. They said, because a lot of the stuff that we'll see in this film, a lot of the makeup effects as well, were designed by a guy called Wayne Toth. Yeah. And Wayne Toth worked on House of a Thousand Corpses. Like, he's a zombie regular. But they built this, like, cage thing, and it's real metal, and it was, like, 300 pounds. Holy shit. It looks good. It looks great. It looked heavy, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They were worried it was going to break the ceiling. (laughs) I bet. (laughs) And I got to say, you know, this is where we're talking at the point of interesting imagery but and it 
very effective sequence. Yeah. Everything that we've seen during this time, it works for me. Yeah, no, so far, yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm I'm good. Like here I am watching the movie and enjoying it and I'm like, "No, this is all right." Okay. I'm all for it. Like this has been great the whole time. Tell me when they lose you. All right. I, <laughs> <laughs> well, you took you took a little pit stop on Weenie in the butt, That's but yeah. you're back you're back yeah. on the no, road. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. They had to work back. I, I think it's, <laughs> the, it's it. the hallway. Yeah. The hallway yeah, gets yeah, yeah. me back. I'm like, all right. The hallway's right, great. Go, yeah. It is. It's so good. And there's so many atmospheric shots of that hallway that it's like, uh, and again, that's The Shining. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, you feel yeah. it. But we then get the title card, Wednesday. We pan across trees before settling and zooming on Heidi as she walks across a bridge with Troy on a leash. This shot is gorgeous. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's actually shot in Salem. It All just right. looks like such a beautiful yeah. place. Yeah. I, I was reading um, that it gets very, very difficult for the locals during Halloween. Yeah. I bet. Because of all the tourism. Oh, yeah. But this seems like such a lovely place to live. It does. Yeah. If I'm going to put it out in the universe, we're going to go to Salem for some reason. Hell yeah. I want to so badly. Hell yeah. But she passes through a graveyard and makes her way inside of a large church. Of course, as we always talk about, no real church would allow them to film yeah. because of the subject matter. Mm -hmm. um, so this is a set built at Linda Vista Hospital, which is where they filmed a lot of Insidious Chapter 2. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. All right. And Blum as well. Nice. So he's probably like, I know a place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but as organ music plays, Heidi sits down in a pew, staring up at a large crucifix in front of a stained glass window. A priest, played by Julian Acosta, enters the room, kneeling at the altar before taking notice of Heidi. He asks in an almost accusatory manner, why are you in here? Yeah, I was like, wow, yeah. warm welcome. Yeah, yeah, that's great. I thought you were supposed that's to great. the flock or whatever. No, no. <laughs> but Heidi says that she doesn't know. She was just walking by and thought she'd come in. She asks if they're closed, and he tells her that they never close. God is always open and ready to listen. This brings Heidi comfort as he sits down next to her. But the music grows tense as he places a hand on her shoulder, telling her that she's a very sad girl. She agrees, but he starts to rub her back very forcefully. The second that he touched her shoulder, it was that like Metal Gear. Yes. I was like, that's yeah. not right. Absolutely. Like immediately. And the thing is, is it's, this is why I love the music so much. Mm -hmm. Because if you just watch this scene without music, it looks like a very comforting hand. Yeah. But the music is like, hold on. Yeah. This is not right. No. She gets up to leave, but he pulls her back. He tells her that she has to understand that a war is waging in heaven and God doesn't spare angels when they sin. He sends them to hell. The priest then unzips his pants and forces her head down. He continues telling her that she's filthy and that Christ can't save her. Only he can. He says she must no longer worship her goat idols. She must understand what the Lord has done for her and how he has supreme mercy on her soul. He then gurgles a black bile with an upside down cross burned into his forehead. Heidi then wakes up alone in the pew. That was horrific. Yes. Yeah. And it really got me. Like I, I up until like the gurgling of the squid ink or whatever the fuck <laughs> i really thought that this was happening yes like, i did do. not think this was a dream no i i i did until shit got really bad yeah. and i was like this can't be i was like okay, I, I cannot believe is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, this is beyond the pale yeah like i couldn't i was in disbelief i had hoped that it was a dream yeah. 
And I was glad to see that the priest, not a disgusting demon pervert, yeah, yeah, is kneeling very politely at her right in front of her. Yeah. And he tells her that she just fell asleep. But it's like, like when you have a dream that somebody did something bad and then you're mad at them in real life, maybe it's just me that does that because I do do that. But <laughs> yes, it's, yes, it's, yes, it's, <laughs> he's like, I can personally, yeah. <laughs> you can. it's done. Like we, I'm leaving. Oh yeah. <laughs> I don't care how nice you're being right now. I'm leaving. You yeah. ruined it. And she rightfully, she rightfully bails. Yeah. Um, I do want to say there are a lot of dream sequences in this film. Yeah. I'm not because ex- we just saw one. <laughs> Yeah, no, we did. I'm not exactly a fan of that many in a row. Unless All right, I, it's perfect blue. Unless it's perfect blue. Well, you do you, boo. You can okay. do whatever the fuck you want. Yes. This, it, this was a lot because it's like, okay, okay. Yeah. we just woke up. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, glad you said that because that also was okay. a gripe of mine. I was like, okay, you don't got to do it that much. No. You know what I mean? We just seen that and then... And I think it happens another time. I think it does. So it's like, all right, I We've, get we it. Got it. Yeah. I think the thing was, is like hearing on commentary, they said that this scene was rushed because it was very strange as he was talking about them dressing the sets yeah. and building the sets. With 22 days, he said a lot of times they would show up on set and they had to dress the set before they could film. But by the time they were done, they only had like a few hours to film. And something happened very strangely with their scheduling on this. He said on commentary, I can't vouch for this, but he said they had 10 minutes to film this sequence. With the what priest? The with the priest. And so I'm like, you know, with where it goes and how really not crucial it is. Yeah. Okay. I'm so glad you're saying that because who I am as a person, that is the universe telling me we probably don't need this yeah. in this yes and this is a if i'm if i'm making this film yeah maybe we leave this part out yeah. keep it in the novelization uh-huh. do whatever you want to do maybe this is like a sign that the movie doesn't really need this and it does i it don't doesn't. think it does no no he, i he could have just like stabbed her a bunch of times or something it i don't know really, I, I, mean, I, yeah, I feel like I don't, we, we really want this like visceral reaction of this oh, you know uh, religious figure doing this and you but got it's like, it yeah. yeah at what cost I, yeah i'm, no, I'm no. kind of good on it yeah like I, I and then knowing that <laughs> yeah i also want to point out that this sequence is five minutes long and i would love if maybe we had more time with herman instead yes. yeah or with um barbara crampton <laughs> <laughs> I love Barbara Crampton. <laughs> there, was, there was no joke there. No, I was waiting. I just love Barbara Crampton. <laughs> just more, please. Just more Barbara. There is never enough Barbara Crampton, is all <laughs> I'm trying to say. But Heidi runs away, as I said, and she sits outside with Troy on the steps of the church. But off in the distance, she sees a figure with a gray, disfigured face walking a white goat. Whispers surround her, telling her, We've been waiting for you. I'm ashamed because <laughs> I was so fixated on the face because uh-huh. I was I was really trying to work out a Tin Man joke and uh, I I thought he was walking a dog. <laughs> so you're so focused on your All comedy, right. <laughs> you're not even watching the film anymore. It's like, oh, cool, it's a dog park, I guess. Yeah. Everybody's all, got a dog. All I got was, <laughs> is that the is that a great value tin man walking a dog? So you didn't even, <laughs> so you didn't even come up with anything, really. <laughs> it's more observational than walking it is. a goat. Yes. Yeah. 
Wow. Walking, <laughs> walking Gotrude. <laughs> that was off the dome. I'm going to stop writing jokes. <laughs> Gotrude killed it. I will say, and we talked a little bit off mic, these gray-faced demons or whatever they are, yeah. great. Oh, no, yeah. yeah. I really like that. It, I think it's the matter of them being completely faceless. Yes. I don't know exactly what they are or what they represent. I was thinking maybe it could be burned. Maybe. Ashes. Okay, okay. All right. I got, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. It works. Okay. Yeah. yeah you got further than me. Yeah. Because oh, I was cool. just like, what the fuck is that? Great value to me. That's all I got. That's all you needed. But Heidi smokes her cigarette as the man disappears and reappears again. Not sure if she saw him reappear. That could have been just for us. Yeah. Which, all right. Because <laughs> he <laughs> walks you. over the camera yeah. and I'm like, oh, God, that's me. <laughs> or I don't know. That's me. I don't know what the deal is. But. Standing at a bookshelf, Francis continues his research, cracking open a book titled The End of the American Witch. Again, for fans of Rob Zombie, Rob Zombie yeah. the song American Witch, that's the chorus. The American. <laughs> uh, I love it so much. It's great. But Francis reads Hawthorne's words, which we hear in a voiceover. Be it this day, the 27th of September in 1696. We are then transported back to that day. Surrounded by flames, Margaret is dragged in that torturous cage suit that we saw in Heidi's apartment as Hawthorne proclaims her guilty of witchcraft and accepting the devil. The suit is opened by Virgil and Dean Magnus, played by Michael Berryman and the late great Sid Haig. For like a second. A second. Yeah. No lines. No, but there was more. There was. Again, and it's a matter of... um, Hawthorne being a change of character. All right. And there's so much more. That's the thing is that they said that almost like I, there's this like video that pops up on Twitter all the time of George Lucas talking about the prequel Star Wars. Uh-huh. And he's like, because because Jar Jar is the key to all of this. All right. All I feel is that Judge Mathis and Hawthorne being separate characters was the key to all of this. (laughs) Because for some reason, (laughs) them being combined changes so much. Yeah. Because it's supposed to be that there's a connection between Barbara Crampton's character and Sid Haig's character. Damn, that sucks. That really sucks that we had to lose that. So it's kind of a bummer, but... Jar Jar is the key yeah. <laughs> to, all <of laughs> to all of it. And we, it sucks we lost it. And when all of this is going on, uh, there's like screaming. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it made me think of, because um, it, it was like the same scream over and over to my ears anyway. <laughs> so I was back at Black Christmas. Oh, and I was like, where's the baby? <laughs> 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 so that's a fucking soundboard. <laughs> like he's not making the No, sound. he's not. He's just got a tape player. <laughs> But in the novel, there is an entire scene of fucking Hawthorne and the Magnus brothers going to capture the witches. Yeah. Which was meant to be filmed, but again, budget and time. Yeah. yeah. And so there would have been stuff there. But I, w- I just wonder, man, you know how he gets. That's true. Like, I feel like that maybe could have changed the whole film. And it could have like because- Like the whole, f- like, the, vibe. The yeah. stuff that we I read in the fucking- novel i'll talk about how the scene ends in a minute yeah but there is a scene where they're going to get the witches and i think it's virgil but they're talking he's talking about a recent widow in town yeah and how he's gonna try to bang her see i knew it i knew (laughs) it god damn it i fucking knew it so it's like maybe it's good (laughs) 
budget and time. (laughs) (laughs) But stumbling out of the cage, Margaret spits at her accusers and laughs. With her coven tied to trees screaming, the Magnuses chain Margaret to a spiked chair and turn the screws. Her blood dripping on the metal, Margaret watches as her sisters are burned black by flames as they howl her name in pain and devotion until they're all dead. I, this is a very effective way to cheaply do someone being burned to death. Yeah. Yeah. Just show them more and more charred over time. Yeah. You don't have to show any skin flaking. Yeah. It works it so works. well. Yeah. But a metal mask is then placed onto Margaret's face as flames whip around her, but she just laughs. So it's not the same at all, but I think that this might have been an homage to Mario Bava's Black Sunday. Okay. Which opens very similarly with witches. I was going to say, I will take your word for it. (laughs) (laughs) It's a great film. All right. It has a metal mask. Just watch it. Just watch it. But- as I had said previously, this was part of that larger opening. All right. It was meant to open completely in 1696. Damn. And then come back. Oh, okay, okay. And for whatever reason, he interspersed it. I honestly think it kind of works better interspersed yeah. Yeah. than a big chunk of um, Salem in 1696. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, is at this point in the novel, because it kind of just cuts here. Yeah. But in the novel, Margaret becomes possessed by the devil. Oh, shit. And she starts speaking in double voices and she is taunting them and cursing them. And somehow along with this going on, uh-huh. Virgil becomes possessed as well. He stops breathing. And then for, I think the way that it's described is his hands are around his own neck, but he doesn't realize it. Ooh, oh, shit. that's actually yeah. really yeah. scary. So he is strangling himself to death. Okay. And he dies Yeah, here damn yeah and so again it's stuff that some stuff it's like man i really would have loved for that to be filmed. yeah 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 and other stuff is like man i'm really glad yeah, no. <laughs> you know yeah. yeah maybe it's for the best maybe it is for the best <laughs> on the again the negative side of things i would have liked to see yeah on that mask that they put on margaret's face there's two holes in it yeah they were gonna drive nails through those holes Ooh. and that would have been pretty interesting yeah. Oh, yeah but we don't see it but back in the present day Francis calls out to his wife. It made me laugh because he just finished reading that. He's like, I'm scared. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because that's, <laughs> he just saw that crazy shit happen. And yeah. he's like, Alice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she answers him in the bath that she's busy, but he asks if she can do a favor for him. That bathtub. Oh, yeah. yeah. I loved it. It's great looking. Rob Zombie said it leaked all over the place. Oh, Oh, no. Damn it. But the one we would get wouldn't leak. It wouldn't leak. So don't worry about it. But the book he's reading, he says, has the last five pages of Hawthorne's diary in which he refers to Margaret and her coven as the Lords of Salem, which corresponds to the name of the band who said Heidi the Music. Get the fuck out of here. I know, and it doesn't. I'm pretty sure they were (laughs) just called the Lords. Pretty sure. It's fine. (laughs) But a staff of notes appears at the bottom of Hawthorne's diary, and Francis asks Alice to play it for him. At her piano, Alice plays the notes, and it is the exact melody of the song that they sent to Heidi. Francis thinks it's odd, but Alice says it isn't really. Someone could have very easily gotten the same book, seen the notes, and wrote a song with it. It's nothing out of the ordinary. She's not wrong. No. But this really made me feel like me bringing something like this to you guys. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, no, it's not. If you have this book, other people can have it too. (laughs) I I do appreciate that because, again, it's very easy for her to be like, yeah. Yeah. That is weird. But no. Which would be me. (laughs) (laughs) Like, burn that book. (laughs) 
<laughs> Throw the piano out, dude. It's, it's haunted it's now. It's not here anymore. <laughs> but instead of responding to that, he just asks her to play it again. But that night at the radio station, Whitey tells some random story about walking in on his grandmother, performing oral sex on his grandfather, and Herman replies that she sounds like one spicy tamale. Whitey, though, very seriously says... She was a product of the depression, man. <laughs> like, Let her be a spicy tamale. When yeah. you take that away, you get X. The old people need to get it yeah. in too. Get it in, man. Yeah. <laughs> I do want to say it made me laugh because nobody asked you to bring up the story. No. That was yeah. all. Yeah. You, you yeah. brought that. that was all. And first of all, if you're planning your radio banter beforehand, you're like, well, I guess I could talk about the time. Yeah. <laughs> no, you can't. You don't need to do that. <laughs> but anyway. Heidi stumbles in very late and catching Herman and Whitey off guard. Heidi sits down, not at all using her radio voice, asking if she missed anything. Herman says with Heidi here, they can make their big announcement. A very concerned Whitey hits a drum roll on the soundboard, the only soundboard that actually... (laughs) (laughs) That should be. uh, (laughs) That I'll allow. But Herman announces that the Lords are coming to Salem for one night only. So they're the Lords again. (laughs) Yeah. Thought they were the hell Satan. (laughs) But the show is free and they've got all the tickets. Herman then plays their record again, but Heidi imagines the coven by the fire, playing rudimentary instruments at Margaret's command as she glorifies Satan and calls for his return to Earth. So that wasn't on the track, right? Oh, I don't think so. Okay. (laughs) I don't think they had a microphone (laughs) back then. It it tripped me out, though, because something is clearly wrong with Heidi. Yes. Throw on Layla with the coda, pull her to the side and see what's wrong. (laughs) Layla with the coda. (laughs) (laughs) Don't announce the show and then play the music that literally made her sick the last time y'all played it. But in all fairness, I mean... In Whitey's defense, she could have just had a bad pancake. (laughs) (laughs) It might not have been about the music at all. I get... No, no, no. At the studio, too. Oh, yeah, that, too. Yeah, two times. All right, maybe 100% of the time you've played this, she's gotten sick. All right, we'll play Layla with the coda. (laughs) We'll play Layla with the coda. And we'll... uh, Pull her to the side and see what's wrong. Don't just... Well, now we have a big announcement now that Heidi's here and clearly not herself. Mm -hmm. Now let's play the... (laughs) Let's let's play play the the song that she fucking can't stand. (laughs) Yes. Where did the tickets come from? Um, the Lords. Yeah. <laughs> I have, I have no but fucking idea. But they're not a real band. Satan. No, they're not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. Satan. Who printed these? Yeah. No I, idea. Uh, the devil, clearly. Yeah. Yes. Well, because he's like, we got the tickets, and then he does the like, so yeah. you can hear it on the microphone, and then he's like, but we you got, don't need tickets. Yeah, but it's, it's free. free. <laughs> so why do we have the tickets? Yeah, then what? <laughs> they never had to mention the tickets. Nope. They could have just said, and did they book it's the time? It's a free show. Uh, yeah, free <laughs> Yeah, they're like, okay, we're going to be on, on on November 1st. We're having a show? Yeah. Because <laughs> they had to call. <laughs> is there a yeah, marquee? Who is there? I don't know. <laughs> well, wait. And I'll. Oh, oh. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> okay. I, okay. I see where you're going with this. I, I can't say why it makes sense yet, <laughs> but we'll get there. Um, This I did want to point out as well. In the novel, this is where Barbara Crampton's character has a delusion of herself in the mirror. And what happens is she sees herself doing things in the mirror and she starts acting them out herself. So her reflection cuts off all her hair. She does the same thing. It carves the sigil into her chest. She does the same thing. The reflection kills the reflection's husband. 
she does the same thing. Oh, shit. And the scene ends with her calling the radio station, asking them to play the song again. Play the <laughs> Lord's <again. laughs> Nobody rocks like whatever. The um, Lords of Salem? Yeah, <laughs> no, the like, station. I can't oh, remember the name of it. WIQC. <laughs> Nobody yeah. rocks like WIQC. Um, <laughs> here would be more appropriate yes. to do something like that instead of like literally. The first time. The- <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, there's, there's, it's so confusing to me because there's something interesting about every time this record is played, a woman in Salem kills a man. Right. Yeah. That's interesting. But pacing yeah <laughs> yeah you can't you can't just do that um so i think they did it right would have loved to have seen more barbara crampton of course yeah we know okay <laughs> so i don't have to say it every time i'll, I'll say it every time just for safety <laughs> what if she clicks on the episode and just scrolls to the middle she's got to know i would want at that. every yeah. point that's why i'm doing it right. <laughs> <laughs> but just then Heidi begins to cough, rushing out of the room, and Whitey follows her. Herman takes off his headphones and punches the desk, which I thought was very, very sad because you know what he's thinking. I didn't. This is when I was like, why the hell is he so mad? And then in a little bit, I'm like, oh. Yeah. This is why I wish that they had a more like developed relationship, I Mm. think. In the novel, it is, and I know I keep saying, in the novel. (laughs) It's usually me. I'm glad to just listen. In the novel, it's explained that she was about to lose her job. And the station manager talked to Herman, and Herman put his job on the line to save hers. Ah, all right. And so it's it's the fatherly energy, but it's also her friend. Yeah. And he put himself on the line for her. Yeah. The thing is, is he is such a great actor. Why would you not? I don't know. Even on commentary, Rob Zombie said that there was an entire arc of the two of them having more scenes together. Yeah. But he said that he cut it because he didn't feel like it worked completely. (laughs) But I think that it would work very well. Yeah. It really, it (laughs) would make us care more. And ultimately, that's what you want. Yeah. As much shit. Was this movie four hours long? I don't know. All the shit that you've said has been cut or was supposed to, like... God, it feels a little long on its own. It, yeah, it does. it does. And honestly, that's, you know, the the scene with the priest, I would have cut that probably yes, completely. Yeah. yeah. And then yes. you have a leaner 95-minute movie. Yeah. And then maybe, if even if it is 98, 99 minutes, you do have more of this. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I don't no, know. No, yeah, because not saying anything, but like, we never get any kind of indication that she's religious or that why would no. you go to the church in the first place? Oh, like it's a, any well, kind of turmoil. Yeah. Or like it's something, you know, like that was somewhere she went for comfort or she had or that could, like, somebody I even mean, in, any, in her group meeting. Yeah. Could maybe say something something. And she turns, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. that would have, then that would have made sense. Yeah. Why, you know what I mean? Why, I don't know. Yeah. Get rid of that. And then, yeah, it almost feels More a little cliched. To the I mean, I guess she dreamt about a cross or whatever, but it just feels like we we need to get her in this church so that this disgusting thing yeah. can happen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, part of me is like, look, if I saw a beast in flames, you would kind of attribute that to like Satan. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> rock and roll, yeah. man. To the coolest <laughs> fucking thing ever. But <laughs> um, I could see how someone could take. <laughs> metal is <laughs> yeah <laughs> see that fire man? <laughs> but uh i mean i don't know i probably would have cut that long story short right yeah. i love that that was like 20 minutes ago and we're still like, <laughs> like why did they do long? that <laughs> it didn't work 
But Heidi cries alone in the bathroom, and Whitey knocks on the door outside, asking her to unlock it so he can help. But we cut to later in her apartment as she plays with some clearly haunted clown toy. I don't (laughs) quite understand. It's cheering her up. So, I mean, I guess good good for her. (laughs) But in the hallway, we see rats spilling out of apartment five into the hallway. Those are surprise rats. Yes. The bad kind. No. (laughs) If we're meeting a rat at six. Yeah, that's fine. We prepared none of these. And there's tons of them. Yeah, Yeah, there's a lot. But we then get a title card reading Thursday. Francis meets with A.J. Kennedy, the author of The End of the American Witch, played by Richard Fancy, Mr. Lippman himself. Hell yeah. Rob Zombie said that he had a scene in Halloween that was cut. Yeah. And so he brought him back here to kind of make it up for him. That's All cool. Right. I thought that was pretty oh, nice. Yeah. But Francis says that he has questions about his book, and Kennedy jokes that he hoped somebody besides his dear old mother bought a copy and is glad to see that he has one. That was cute. I thought so too. And again, there's like these little like sparks of character. Yeah, yeah. Like that was just a nice little moment. Yeah. But he puts on his glasses asking if it's research for a new book. And Francis says that it could be. But he's really just trying to get some information. He tells him everything about the record and the radio station. But as soon as he mentions the Lords of Salem, Kennedy smirks and takes off his glasses. He says that what Francis is asking about is John Hawthorne's diary. And while he doesn't have a copy of the full diary, he has read it in full himself. He says in it, all he found was Hawthorne's obsession with Margaret and her coven. He thought that they were making music in the woods to possess the women of Salem, and he would eventually kill them for it. Francis already knows most of this, but considering the diary ends with their deaths, he asks if there's anything else Kennedy can expand on. Kennedy chuckles as he tells Francis about the curse of Margaret Morgan. He says in the final sections of the diary, which he considers to be complete nonsense, it says that during the execution, while Margaret and her coven burned, she put a curse on the women of Salem. Something to the tune of forever deaths of the daughter's daughters. She also called Hawthorne's bloodline the vessel by which the devil's child would inherit the earth. But he says, whatever the fuck that meant. <laughs> it's, it's very clear. It's pretty clear. <laughs> it's pretty explicit. Is this your work? Like, yes. you've been studying this shit? And he's just chuckling. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, don't, oh, I don't know. Oh, yeah. that. A curse. Yeah, sure. It's like, come on, dude. I did I did appreciate this, though. It did kind of remind me in Suspiria when Susie goes to meet the guys and talk about witches and stuff. Yeah. It felt like a little homage, which I appreciated. But I really don't like that. It's very clear what Margaret yeah. meant. Yes. <laughs> Could not have made it more clear. But we cut to Heidi, who sits on the couch in Whitey's apartment. She says she couldn't take it a moment longer at her place. And Whitey brings her a cup of tea and sits down next to her as they watch an old movie. Whitey makes a noise after he sips his tea, which after years of knowing him, Heidi takes it to mean that he has something on his mind. I was like, it looks like you've got something to say. (laughs) Do you? (laughs) But she assures him that she's clean. And he says that he knows, but he tells her that she has to admit her behavior at the station last night was kind of freaky. She tells him that he doesn't know the half of it and finally tells him that every time she hears that Lord's record, it fucks with her. But before she can answer Whitey's follow-up question, she starts to cough again. She grabs a napkin to cough into, but we see that she's coughing up blood. I thought this was about Margaret Morgan, not Arthur Morgan. Don't do that. But he tells her to stay calm as he calls 911 for an ambulance. When Heidi raises her head, 
she sees that Whitey is surrounded by those same gray-faced men, only this time they're dressed in all white, almost like old-fashioned doctors. On commentary, two of the men, Rob Zombie said, are played by Walter Phelan, who played Dr. Satan. Oh, all right. And John Five. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> so I thought that was cool. But Heidi points at them, but she can't speak through her coughs. Suddenly, one of the figures reaches a hand onto Whitey's shoulder, and his eyes go immediately white, and he sinks to the floor unconscious. The switch with his eyes, I thought, was like the coolest thing. Yeah. yeah. It's subtle again. Yeah. It feels like pure, like, low-budget 1970s. I, all the, all <laughs> you know? the imagery but here it yeah. Yeah, yeah. is really cool. What they're wearing, them standing around him. The eye, all of this worked for me. It was yeah. very creepy. But the gray men advance on her, their faces completely covered to where they appear faceless. A voice, possibly the man from the television, describes those in hell, declaring that their eyes will burn forevermore with sights of the tormented, and that their pain will be as the pain of a woman tied down, unable to move, as a fiery worm eats into her vitals. The woman screams for unconsciousness, but there is no unconsciousness in hell. The gray men hold Heidi on the countertop as they use scissors to cut into her abdomen. They pull out her intestines, reaching further to find a squirming, lobster-like organism and hold it in their hands. I was like, hey, man, I need those guts. <laughs> yeah. Never mind, never mind. Yeah, you, can have that. you can keep that. You can have that part. <laughs> but the voice repeats that the worm eats and eats and eats as Heidi screams. But once again, she wakes up in Jared's apartment. <laughs> <laughs> that's for our creep and no sleep it, yes <laughs> it was all a dream it was all a dream again we get it yeah i think that's where i'm torn is because the imagery is cool but then it keeps ending the same yeah, yeah. It's like, so is whitey okay sure <laughs> <laughs> she never went to his apartment i guess but that again the on and off it was that yeah. too. i'm like all right cool i'm getting into this and then now it was a dream it wasn't real yeah what the fuck i would have preferred she woke up on whitey's couch Yes. That would have been All fine. Right. But back in her apartment, so none of this. None yeah. of it happened. Okay. But in her bathroom, Heidi takes the last of her medication. She attempts to rock herself out of everything she's been thinking and feeling lately, but a mural on her wall featuring five prints of the Rocket Man from the 1940 film, King of the Rocket Men. Very good. Begin to bleed from their eyes and mouths as Margaret whispers, Heidi, over and over. So again, this is more with the masks. It looked yeah, really cool, no, too. Yeah. And I didn't really catch that motif until Rob Zombie mentioned it. Okay. You do. I mean, you have um, the film earlier. Yeah, yeah. Margaret's mask. Yeah. These masks here. The Tin Men. The Tin Men. <laughs> tin Men. <laughs> tin Men. But later that night, Heidi heads to a dingy part of town, knocking on a red door with white skulls printed on it. Once the door opens, Heidi exchanges a few folded up bills for a small bag of heroin. The heartbreaking. Yeah. But we then get the title card, Friday. In her apartment, while an old film plays in the background, Heidi sits at the edge of her bed, freebasing heroin as her French tape plays, and she struggles to keep up with it. On commentary, Rob Zombie said that the film playing is the Phantom of the Opera, which is another mask. mask. Yeah. 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 So I thought that was interesting. I can't confirm that. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I, I trust him. All right. <laughs> but suddenly, there's a knock on her door. In a striped sweater, which has kind of become pretty iconic yeah. in a lot of horror circles. It's it's really funny because <laughs> it's at this point that I was like, oh, that's her on the yeah, cover. I, yeah. <laughs> I, like, I literally did not put it together. It is funny to me that they spoil that on the yeah. cover. Yeah. 
But in that striped sweater, Heidi sinks into her bed. I thought she wasn't going to answer the door. Yeah. Me too. So I was surprised to see her turn off the TV yeah, yeah. and head straight for the door to answer it. She looks through the peephole and through it, she finds Lacey, Megan, and Sonny in the hall bearing tea and treats. I was like, not the witches at Eastwood. Yeah. <laughs> Is there tannis root in that tea? I, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but she opens the door up for them and they tell her that she doesn't look well and they thought she could use some company. She invites them inside and they follow her to her bedroom. At home, Francis continues his work on his laptop, which again, surprised me. Yeah. Because this does not feel no Like modern. he should yeah. have a laptop. No. But he stumbles across a fan page for the H-team and at the top of the page, he sees that Heidi's real name is Adelheid Elizabeth Hawthorne. No shit. All yeah. right. <laughs> it's funny because when she was like, it was deliberately addressed to me or whatever, she was like, damn internet. It's like, no, it's literally like, yeah. <laughs> you don't even have to dig. He just Googled <laughs> yeah. once. <laughs> but Francis then plugs her name into a family tree website. And as he sips his red wine, he very easily... Too easily. One. Yeah. <laughs> you usually got to pay for that shit. Yeah. He went all the way yeah. back to the 1600s. Yeah. Follows the branches all the way down to Reverend Jonathan Hawthorne. Come on. That's fucking hilarious. It's pretty funny. It, Is it? It's a, it's a bit lazy. <laughs> I'll say that. I do want to say that this does count as a microfiche scene. Yes. All right. But come on. That is. That's laughably. Yeah, that's too convenient. It is even funnier because he goes fuck me yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, come on you knew yeah stop that yeah. and he, it's funny to me because he already saw the name hawthorne yeah, yeah. it's not that like should have been if he had just used the family tree and traveled down that might have been better yeah i don't know um I, well i don't think the family tree would have said heidi larock so no. <laughs> well, unless, unless she built it <laughs> i mean i don't know <laughs> But this, and this is what I'm talking about with the budget and the time constraints, because on commentary, Zombie said that this scene that we just saw yeah. is one of 20 scenes that were filmed in the film's prop house. They were connector scenes that they had one day to film. And so they're switching things in and out. The scene that we just saw in Whitey's apartment was another one of them. Oh, wow. Like, it's all these bridge scenes. That's yeah, crazy. Yeah. And that's why, like, the fact that they got all of that done yeah, yeah. is kind of incredible. Yeah. It is impressive, but this whole reveal or this, <gasps> it's, it's to me, lazy. Like, this is no, it very is. Yeah. lazy. I'm trying to think of a better way that they could have come across it, um, but maybe not the fan site. <laughs> <laughs> maybe not. But it is kind of a clue to something that is a pretty cool reveal to me at the end of the film. All right. So I'll... Uh, 50-50. Yeah. I'll kind of allow it. But back at her apartment, the three women sit in bed with Heidi, telling her to rest and not to worry. She falls asleep as Lacey rubs her head. But with Alice asleep on the couch, Francis calls Heidi on the telephone. But unfortunately for him, it's Megan that picks up. And she tells him that he has the wrong number and to never call back again. <laughs> <laughs> it's the gaslighting for me. Oh, yeah. But I'm like, okay, it was kind of obvious. But now it's clear that y'all are up to some shady oh, yeah. shit. 100%. Shrugging it off, Lacey tells Sonny to get the chair. The camera then finds the three sisters in the hallway with Heidi seated in a wheelchair in front of them. Troy, locked in the bathroom, whines, barks, and scratches for Heidi to no consequence. 
poor Troy. Is this yeah. the last time? We That's the last yeah, time. Right? <laughs> <laughs> we never see Troy again. <laughs> There's a problem, dog. <laughs> but as they wheel Heidi to apartment five, Lacey asks the father to give them the venom and fill them with his essence. Megan begs for it to burn through their souls and minds, and Sonny says that they trample on the cross. The fact that they're in the hallway doing this and nobody else is like, I have work tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, it's like, can nobody... you fucking... Yeah. Like, I know you're the landlady, but god damn. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> it is three in the morning. Yeah, no shit, right? Also, I was like, <laughs> this really sucks because I know that there are so... I I would say everyone yeah. has a piece of shit in the family tree. Oh, At yeah. least right, one, right. if oh, not yeah. many. Yeah, yeah. It's like, that's not her fault. No. But she's forced. Yeah. It's the sins of the father thing. Yeah. But the prayer probably sounds familiar because it's the exact same prayer that the Lords of Salem were saying in 1696. All right. Yeah. The thing with this one, though, is that it ends a little differently with Megan asking Satan to guide Heidi, who is still in the shackles of the oppressor, and to help her break free of his tyrant ways. Sonny kind of rubs up on Heidi a little bit. Yeah. Asking Satan to entice her to take the precious bite from whence she shall be delivered. They raise their hands to the sky, aggrandizing Satan, and Lacey then kneels down in front of apartment five and draws the sigil for the Lords of Salem in chalk on the floor. The door then opens, and they lift Heidi to her feet. Through the drab hall and doorway of the apartment building, Heidi steps into a beautiful and lavishly massive theater. My apartment doesn't look like this. Yeah. <laughs> Why does apartment five get all the good shit? <laughs> what are they paying? Right? Literally. I I thought it was, okay. Firstly, the shock of seeing this through the doorframe. Yeah. It got me. And it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. It was a lot. Yeah. 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 But you're telling me that like the Satan lives here? Like little the? horn rents an apartment <laughs> here? <laughs> well, and maybe it's a portal. She said right, the, she that's said the, the only right. thing I the price was right yeah that is true she right. did say that it's 666 dollars <laughs> I'll on. take it yeah, I'll move in tomorrow I do not give a fuck <laughs> but this is a real theater in California it's stunning oh wow yeah. it looks real good I in the colors the red and the yellow yeah or gold I should say yeah it's brilliant they said that what they did was they rebuilt the hallway in this theater Oh, shit. And so they were able to just push through, and it's like one seamless nice. thing. Nice. It looks good. It really does. But as she steps forward onto a sprawling red carpet, she peers up at a gorgeous staircase surrounded by towering gold pillars. As she makes her way up the staircase, we see two red neon crucifixes in the background, much like the one that enticed her earlier. Heidi's face is now painted like a skull, with the sigil in black on her forehead, and she makes her way to the top of the stairs. At the top stands Eamon, played by Gabriel Pimental, and he spreads his arms wide as light beams around him and the chorus reaches a crescendo. Now, <laughs> half of what Rob Zombie was inspired by with this is a turkey. Now, listen, I'm not that's joking. What that's what he said. Why a turkey? Please explain. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. Um, <laughs> I thought there was more. Um... That was all he said? And then he nobody moved asked, on? Well, nobody has to follow him. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> there, there was another thing that he said that I'll get to in a second that kind of bothered me because I totally disagree with it. But um, until then, gobble, gobble, motherfucker. Yeah, <laughs> that's, I, all, that's all I got. I don't like it either. You, I, uh, when can you tell us the other thing? In about two more sentences. Okay, <laughs> go, 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 go. 
But as I said, he spreads his arms wide and a clock chimes as Eamon screeches as long strands of intestine stretch out of his open belly and Heidi holds them in her shaking hands. So he's just one of those test your strength machines now. <laughs> yes, what, pretty much. What the fuck's happening? She does not appear very strong. No. <laughs> no. Um, what Rob Zombie said was that this was his representation in this film of Satan. That's I got that. I, I understand him saying that. But when I Googled Eamon, which is the name of this character. Targaryen? No. (laughs) (laughs) I was given that Eamon is the demon of reproduction. So why don't we just have him be Eamon? I I felt like she's climbing these stairs to see Satan. I thought that this was Satan's lair. It is. It is. And so imagine my disappointment. I think I would have preferred. I think it's fine. uh, Just a different costume. My note here. Something. My I note here was he just couldn't help himself. Could he? <laughs> yeah. No. no he we could not. were so fucking close. <laughs> he loved it. He ju- I, I, I disagree. I yeah, I wasn't a big fan. I don't know. I don't even need a giant hulking monster. Just scary. Like. Yeah. I don't know. I think that the Beelzebub was way scarier. Yeah. And the, the roar. Skunk ape? Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. Skunk ape, make him Satan. Yeah, it bring just, him back. It, yeah. it did not it did not do it for me. It looks like meat. It lo- I mean it, which it, I, if it you're going for weird. turkey that's Apparently what you're going it for. Is, yeah. It didn't it didn't <laughs> I did not like it. I yeah. can't stress enough. I didn't like it. All I can think is that Rob Zombie is obsessed with the 70s. Turkey was an insult. <laughs> <laughs> so this 70s. is a jive turkey? So this is, yeah. Oh, wow. No, it's no, not, not a jive, a jive. Yeah. 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 No, it's, it's one of those not, yeah. bad turkeys <laughs> <laughs> you've heard so much about. <laughs> but I will say, minus minus that reveal, I think the entire sequence is shot beautifully. It, yes! It is. That's why it's so, dis- that's the point. That's why it's so disappointing. It is, but it's it's almost it's right there to just take you out of what's happening. Yeah, because it's like, what the fuck am I looking at? Why <laughs> a, a turkey? Yeah, I, I will um shout out the actor for really committing. No, to yeah, them. oh yeah, yeah, because the shaking and the I mean again. Like you said, just a better costume. Yeah, everything yeah. else is so spot on. Oh yeah, I don't. I didn't love the with the shaking yeah, and everything. Yeah. That didn't. I didn't love that. But if he looks different, I'll even take that. Yeah, the costume was not it. And we don't need a classic devil. No, yeah, no. we need the pitchfork or anything. No, but uh, maybe not a turkey. Not no, a turkey. Not at all. I'm pretty sure he said turkey. He might have said chicken. I'm pretty sure it was turkey. Either oh, fucking yeah. way, dude. Whatever. Yeah. Either way. <laughs> Whatever protein. <laughs> Whatever. I don't want it to be meat. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care which one. I love him trying to make a distinction. No. Yeah. Well, it might have been chicken, guys. Does that change anything for you? Or? No. Okay. But in the hallway, <laughs> waits Lacey, Megan, and Sonny. The door to apartment five slowly creaks open and Heidi steps toward them, her face no longer painted. They kneel to her, looking up at her, seemingly proud of and in awe of her. Slow piano plays as the camera glides away from them down the hallway. The women then put her to bed in her apartment. Her comforter is the same pattern of the floor of the red room in the Black Lodge on Twin Peaks. Oh, Oh, all right. Didn't know if that was a Lynch nod. I'm sure. I allow it. (laughs) (laughs) But out of nowhere, 
Eamon steps towards her bed with a tense music cue. We then get another title card, Saturday. So I will say when he does step toward her, I was not expecting that. No. And it did make me jump. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Because I think the way the music hits kind of punches you. Yeah. But in their apartment, Francis walks through the kitchen with his briefcase, telling Alice that he has to head out to the museum to see about a new exhibit. I thought he had walked into a cafe. Yeah. And then I was like, oh my God, this is their fucking house. Yeah. It is stunning. It is very nice. I'm... Rob Zombie had said that whenever they found this location, yeah. it was fucking awful. It, and what? so yeah, yeah, he said they redressed it and everything and made it look as good as it does. It is gorgeous. Yeah, it looks good. I want to live there. Yes. Oh, yeah. This apartment we can live in. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but she asks what they're going to do when he retires, and he cynically says that they'll probably sell the place and turn it into a Starbucks. But he says he'll be back in an hour and kisses his wife. They say that they love each other and he's off. They're so cute. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. This whole, it felt like I, I've only got one day left till retirement. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, something horrible is about to oh, happen. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of, they spell it out for you. <laughs> yeah. a little on the nose. They do. But we then see Whitey riding his bike to the pier and looking around thoughtfully. I thought he was going to have his George Costanza moment with the pigeons. <laughs> 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 but instead, he calls Heidi to check in on her. Or was it Jerry that ran with the... It was, it both, was both of them. Okay, both making, of them. Sure, <laughs> making sure. But he instead calls Heidi to check in on her. In a very weak voice, she tells him everything's all right, but he asks if she wants to grab a bite and talk about things before the show. She declines, saying that she's not very hungry anymore. Yeah, the word anymore kind of changes everything. Yeah. I wasn't a fan of Why that. Why would you not call that out as a very fucking strange thing to say? Yeah. He doesn't. What do you mean? <laughs> no. What do you mean anymore? Since when does yeah. anymore start? Like, what? Yeah. We had pancakes two days ago. Yeah. yeah. So what's going on? But we then zoom in on a drawing of a little girl seemingly wearing a bear costume while also holding eight strings attached to the tails of white mice. Whatever the fuck that means. Yeah. I don't know. All I put was what the fuck is going on. (laughs) (laughs) But Whitey still offers to swing by so they can head to the show together. But Heidi says that she'll get there on her own. Before she can hang up, Whitey tells her that he knows he didn't understand in the past. And he's not sure that he understands now. But regardless of that, he's here for her. She says that she knows that she'll always know. And then she says goodbye. So I thought it was a surprisingly human moment for Whitey. Yeah. Yeah. Not something I normally expect in a Rob Zombie film. Yeah. No offense. Then it's just like fart sounds and <laughs> like a toilet flushing. <laughs> He's well, like, sorry, sorry. It's sorry. Whitey. I can't, I can't yeah. stop. That's just his only speed. <laughs> but we see in Heidi's apartment, standing in the room with her is Lacey. She asks Heidi if she loves him and holding back tears, Heidi says yes. But on the streets of Salem, Francis makes his way to Heidi's apartment building, meeting Lacey outside, who is sweeping leaves from the walkway. He asks if Heidi Hawthorne lives here, and she asks if he means Adelheid Elizabeth Hawthorne. Don't like that. Yeah. I do. Yeah, that's exactly who I mean. Yeah. <laughs> why would he ask for Heidi Hawthorne? Great question. Like, no, yeah. none of that. Okay. But he does, and I'm sorry, her saying that her full name. Yeah. No, we're leaving. Yeah. Yeah. I'll try oh, calling yeah. her again from a payphone at the yeah. coffee shop. <laughs> Not connected Something. to me. But he's just like, yeah, yeah. Adelheid Elizabeth Hawthorne. <laughs> Lacey tells him that he looks familiar, 
but he just chalks it up to her possibly seeing him around since the wax museum is nearby. So on commentary, Rob Zombie said that they were actually going to film at that wax museum in Salem and have it be like showing him at work and everything. But for whatever reason, the wax museum didn't like their script and said that it was not historically accurate. Damn. <laughs> the All thing right. is, is that they let Bewitch to film there in 1970. <laughs> <laughs> that is historically yeah, accurate. That- <laughs> and <laughs> he was like, so we're not as historically accurate as yeah. Bewitched. <laughs> but she asks if he's a friend or a foe, and he tells her that he's more of an acquaintance. But she introduces herself, saying that she looks after Heidi. We see Heidi sitting somewhat catatonic in front of her open fridge as Lacey invites Francis inside, saying that Heidi actually stepped out, but they can wait for her in Lacey's apartment. No, thank you. How does I look after Heidi? How does that not fucking sound weird? Oh, it sounds very weird. Yeah. And you know that not that long ago, she was just fine. Yeah. You just saw her. She was flirting with you. Yes. (laughs) And now she needs to be looked after. So I tried to call you at your phone number. Mm -hmm. I was told that it's not your phone number and also to never call back here. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I come to your address to visit you and... Now I have to wait in somebody else's apartment. This is, I'm leaving. Yeah, there's Mm. no way. Like, this is very strange. Something wrong is happening here. Is it just being polite? I mean, look, there's being polite, but you got to know something's wrong. Oh, absolutely. There's no way you can't. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There's no way. And she doesn't even really try to hide it? Not at all. Even if, because she seems a little younger than him. And this lady, obviously, this is your peer. Mm-hmm. Even she, you can tell she's acting funny just because it's not. Oh, we're about the same age. I can trust you. No, 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 no. You're <laughs> acting weird. Yeah. Yes. You know what I mean? It's not like all oh, these kids. They, you know, they take care of themselves. <laughs> no, no, you're acting funny. Yeah. I, I'll go wait in the car or I'll go somewhere else. It's fine. It would have made more sense if she kind of put that air on. But yeah. she's just like, no. I look after. It's like, yeah, what the no. fuck? It's like, well, I'll be at the wax museum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but inside Lacey's apartment, Francis sits at the table and he's joined by Megan and Sonny. They engage in small talk about his marriage and he tells him that it'll be 26 years this November. He says, no children, which Megan <laughs> uses as the diving off <laughs> point to just talk shit about kids in general. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, oh, I also hate yeah, kids. Yeah, kids suck. Um, this is an interrogation. It quickly becomes an interrogation. Mm-hmm. And I think it's Sonny that he says he's married and she's like happy, happily. Yeah. Bitch, yeah. Ecstatically. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. But Megan says that most kids have very little substance to offer. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but she says very rarely a special child appears. This is fucking weird. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, Y'all really need to stop letting her be the one that talks to the people you bring in. She goes too deep, (laughs) too fast. But Francis says that he never thought of it like that. He just didn't like the idea of changing diapers. Megan reacts with a humorous display of disgust and Lacey joins the party. She says to not mind Megan, but then asks Francis why he's here. He tells them about the record that Heidi played on the show, as well as the Lord's. Sonny rubs his arm seductively and asks him if he's a little too old to like shit like that. She's out of pocket. Yeah. Yeah. 
First of all, that was very odd and coarse for no reason. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and there's nothing modern about that track at all. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> like, aren't you a little young to be like this? Yeah, <laughs> no, there you go. <laughs> but Francis excuses it, saying that he was a guest on the show when he heard it. Lacey asks Sonny to grab her some sugar for their tea, and as she leaves the room, Francis continues, saying that he just had some info that he thought Heidi would find interesting. Lacey says that Francis strikes her as a man who would normally mind his own business. Francis laughs, but Lacey scolds him and asks why he's laughing. Is something suddenly funny? Don't you like clowns? Yeah. <laughs> Aren't we fucking funny? <laughs> no, this is, it is so tense and uncomfortable. And he's doing that thing where you, ha ha, you yeah. know, kind of try yeah, to yeah. lighten the situation. And they're not letting, they're not letting it happen. No. And honestly, so far, this really works for me because I c- completely understand trying to do that. Yeah. And for them to react the way that they do. That's socially unacceptable. It's like my my <laughs> wife is calling me. I yeah, gotta sorry. I gotta split. Yeah. Yeah. We're making a wax uh, yeah. something. I gotta go. <laughs> I'll, I'll wax anything but here. <laughs> I'm a head out. <laughs> but he does say that he's gonna leave and tries to excuse himself. But Lacey stops him. She says, "You know what I think." Francis has no idea. But Lacey posits that he's here to get inside Heidi's head and fuck her brain. She asks, and again, and exactly, I, no, I, I apologize. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> she asks, did you come here to stick your nosy cock inside her head and fuck her brain, Mr. Matthias? Big graphic. All right. Very graphic. Yeah. And more in line with dialogue that I would expect from Rob Zombie, but yeah. I didn't hate it here. It oddly it's worked. So, it's like very vile and jarring, but I think it's like, at this moment, you're not joking your your way out of this. This no. is not yeah, yeah. pleasant tea. This is not small talk. Like this is aggressive and it's scary. And honestly, when they were persecuted by men, witches, mm-hmm. you can totally understand why she would call upon the phallic. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it kind of works. And it honestly works even better because they haven't been fucking saying this shit all film. Ex- yeah. No, yeah. If yes. it did, we'd just be like, oh, I guess more. Yeah. I guess everybody talks like that. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all talk like that in Salem? Like, God yeah. damn. <laughs> That's why they wouldn't let you film at the museum. Yeah. <laughs> but Francis tries to excuse himself again, but he is struck in the back of the head with a cast iron pan by Sonny. He clatters to the floor. Sonny admitting that it felt good. Upstairs, Heidi puts her ear to the floor, the shot somewhat mirrored by Francis lying in a heap in Lacey's apartment. The sisters find Francis's copy of The End of the American Witch, calling out its biases against witchcraft and the aggrandizement of John Hawthorne, assuming that's what he's come to fill Heidi's head with. Lacey calls for Sonny to finish what she started, and Heidi listens in as Sonny beats Francis to death with the pan. But later, with Francis's bloody head wrapped in a cloth, the sisters smoke together and lament his death, a waste of a good man who was never going to be able to stop anything. Megan offers them tea, and they move on from it quite quickly. But upstairs, the light fixtures sway back and forth in the hall as Beelzebub roars. So I will say, his death is a little anticlimactic. Yeah. I wanted more from him because I thought he was kind of a decent character. Right, yeah. right. And he was a decent person. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of a shame to see somebody like him die so 
randomly and violently yeah. and to fall for their charade yeah he i get he seemed very laid back but i feel like when she was like do you think this is a joke i would have got out of my chair and been like i i That's okay fine. i'm sorry That's the thing too the, he put up no fight yeah no. not at all because when she hit him the first time he's just sitting on the floor and then he just how that hurt what the <laughs> yeah fuck? it is now that you say that it's like we really they used him to get us the information of who heidi's related to uh-huh and yeah. then he wasn't needed anymore, so they just killed him. Like, yeah. that's what it, it, again, kind of lazy. Mm-hmm. And I know he had to die. There was no way. Did it right. happen like that in the book? In the book, it's a little more graphic. And it is, uh, Patricia Quinn was a little upset because in the book and in the original script, Sonny hits her him with the frying pan. Okay. But then Megan stabs him to death. Damn. All right. And so in this, Megan's just kind of there. She doesn't do anything. Yeah. But, you know... <laughs> all right yeah <laughs> it's like no more more frying pan yeah <laughs> so i mean it could have been more balanced but i don't know i you know he has to die but did he have to die like this yeah. yeah but later that night whitey arrives to pick up heidi but as soon as he heads inside he finds the sisters waiting on the stairs he tries to pass them to go upstairs but they stop him telling him that he looks nervous he says that he isn't and starts up the stairs again and they tell him to take care of heidi because she means the world to them Red flag city. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, the fact that y'all are sitting here in a tableau waiting for me. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. You know my name. Mm-hmm. And it's weird. Him, they let go up. They're like, he's stupid. He doesn't <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. He can go up the stairs. I, the guy with the information, oh, we yeah. got to yeah. intercept. Yeah, Whitey doesn't know anything. He just knows farts. And, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's weird because... <laughs> the clown. <laughs> it's weird to me because they have... Lacey has had to have met him before. Yeah. And so, I mean... It would be weird for me if I'm Whitey that this is how they're acting now. Yeah. Yeah. But he does head upstairs and he bangs on Heidi's door. A gray-faced figure in a nun's habit stands in the corner. Red light fills the room and we find Heidi asleep on her sofa and her shorts are hilariously pulled down just enough. Yeah. Yeah. I have... You really thought we were only going to see her ass once, you fool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's unnecessary. He can't help himself. <laughs> it did make me laugh, though, because they, they go back to a shot outside and they come back and her pants are pulled down differently. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, no, put that yeah. needs to be it, in there. Yeah, I don't care about continuity as long <laughs> as we see about 75% of her ass. Yeah. <laughs> But Heidi answers the door, hugging Whitey and telling him that she told him not to come. She begins to cry and Lacey pops up out of nowhere in the hall, telling Heidi to tell Whitey to wait outside. She does as she's told and Whitey is like, what the fuck is going on here? Well, it feels like a mean mom. Like, tell your little friend. It's like, I'm sorry, mom. (laughs) (laughs) I did appreciate that he's at least calling it out. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. It looks like she's being held captive. Yeah. That's what it looks like. It does. Heidi, however, just tells him to wait outside and shuts the door. Lacey links his arm and takes him away. Please don't touch me. (laughs) (laughs) In the novel at this point, Whitey is murdered. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And so it was nice to me that we do see him again. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because I thought I was like, oh, they're just fucking done. But the way that... (sighs) I am glad that Whitey lived. Uh huh. The way that this transitions was really weird to me. It's a little, it's oddly cut. I yeah. will say yes. that. 
Because I was like, oh no. Oh, they're fine. Yeah, fine. <laughs> <laughs> what was I worried about? <laughs> but we cut to people seated inside the theater for the show while Herman waits outside. In the cold autumn air, Whitey arrives with a very out of it Heidi. So he is alive. That's like what I was, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, they're fine. Cool. <laughs> no need to worry. No, no, no. Yeah. Herman demands to know what's going on with her, but Whitey suggests that they just get through the night and worry about it later. As they argue, Heidi slips into a side entrance of the theater, but she looks back at Herman and Whitey saying goodbye to them as the door slowly closes. The theater goes dark and a curtain rises as the music from the opera house plays. A blinding light fills the theater and we see Heidi is standing alone in the balcony. On stage are Lacey, Megan, and Sonny dressed in tattered clothing with the sigil painted on their foreheads. So this is where I was like, okay, well, maybe they did make they the tickets. Yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> they called the box office. Like, yeah. We're going to have a show. <laughs> <laughs> but they kneel and clasp hands, beginning a prayer. Lord, hear us. We are ready to bring your precious child to the world. They admonish the church and pledge their allegiance to Satan, repeating, Satan, come to us. We are ready. I thought we came to see a rock show. Yeah. <laughs> Is this the opening act? I don't know. <laughs> it's a little avant-garde, but sure. But the lights flicker around them as shadows move on the stage behind them. They slowly come into view and are revealed to be Margaret and the Lords of Salem. <gasps> yeah. What's weird, Rob Zombie said that he originally wasn't going to have them return at all. But I was like, I want to see them again. Yeah. Like, I'm glad. I want... because. There's something really cool about them somehow being yeah. right, right. a he part just, of this. He was just going to fill the stage with a bunch of turkeys. No, no. <laughs> Be honest. Somebody finally talked to him and they're like, yeah. Rob, look, look, Rob, look at me. <laughs> but Margaret cackles, welcoming the whores of Salem. Wait, now we're the whores? <laughs> I don't know if yeah. we've always... Is this fucking play about us? <laughs> <laughs> I've never even seen that I show. was going to say. <laughs> just seen the memes, but... They're good. She then says that she can taste the foul stench of their ancestors rotting in the folds of filth between their legs. Are you going to play or what? It's <laughs> I like, know. God Everything damn, is about yeah. like vagina and vulva yeah. with you. Like, I, can you stop? Where's that weird violin? Yeah, <laughs> <Please>. <laughs> Made of bones and yeah. shit. Like, come on. You're really just a one note. Like, this yeah. is enough. I thought you loved. Like, yeah, know, right. so what the fuck is you. happening? But she tells them that the blood of their deaths shall be the eternity of their resurrection. She then calls out to Heidi, calling her the one. She says, we've been waiting for you, Heidi. We've always been waiting. Because Heidi's the caretaker. Right. (laughs) She's always been there. Always. Take a shot. But the Lords of Salem begin to play their greatest hit as the women of Salem stand in the aisle in a trance, disrobing. Their greatest hit. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> that's all we know. I thought they were getting up to leave. Like, I'm oh fuck this! Yeah. Yeah. You're not gonna call me a whore and then yeah, expect yeah. me to stay for your show. Yeah, you're you're lucky the show time. was for yeah. you. This is it. The show's like, it was, what are you, Cham? Yeah, <laughs> it's like one, one fucking song. <laughs> Cham is allowed. They're they're allowed. Cham's allowed. They've earned it. But Heidi as well takes off her sweater and glasses and begins to vibe with the music. We cut to a rather beautiful and ornate room, remnants of Heidi's bedroom scattered all around as she sits on her bed. The coven recites, We honor you with our actions and our thoughts, 
each day that we live upon this earth, may we grow stronger in wisdom and in our love for you. You are our father, our teacher, our muse, our lover. We have taken your mark. So to me, there's a lot of witchy stuff going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like all the lines, if you look at them, they do make sense. There's not a line that you're like, oh, that's a little hacky. I think, right. and maybe it's because Margaret is so good. Yeah, yeah. That or you're, Meg you're Foster's just, good. <laughs> Margaret is <laughs> not good. <laughs> My you're bad. just willing to, yeah. to believe. You're like, yeah. sure, man, I'll take but it. But either way, that's a credit to the film as well. True. Even if it's nonsense, but her saying it, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, all right. Well, that works. But at this moment, a loud screeching noise deafens Heidi, and we see a procession of nude women wearing black animal masks as a tall gray man stands at the center in papal robes. While a voice acknowledges the inevitability of death and extols the virtue of embracing Jesus Christ, we see a ton of imagery play out like something out of a music video. Heidi walking through a bathroom wearing a shirt asking, Why the goat? while dancing with a painted Count Gorgon, the gray pope and gray priests masturbating colorful dildos. What the hell? <laughs> I was like, not the 10 men beating the meat. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck is going on? She's twerking with Gene Simmons. I'm yeah. like, what is happening? Her, the way I took, well, let me get through it. <laughs> let me just get through this. But we also see members of the coven bathed in red light. The voice says that if you reject Christ and choose instead to ride the goat, you know what your agony will be. And at this point, we see Heidi riding a goat. I mean, she's made her choice. (laughs) We all want to live deliciously, honestly. Write your name in the book. Yes. But the voice describes the hell that will be suffered as we see flames and crucified infants, melted angels, gray demons, and distorted faces burning. Margaret cackles as we see a neon crucifix burning with the words, Jesus saves written on it. So that was a lot, Robin. Yeah. <laughs> it was indeed, yes. Um, my idea of it and Rob Zombie kind of confirmed it because we're seeing all these scattered images from things that she has seen throughout the film. Mm-hmm. Right. Her mind is kind of collapsing. I mean, I feel like that's a fair assumption. Now, I don't know the, the, the priest <laughs> masturbating. Yeah, that, yeah. That, she, that was just for her. Like, that, yeah, that, we that. never saw that. No. <laughs> it's like, you might have dreamed that before the film. Yeah. <laughs> but I never saw that, that shit. Was, that was Heidi. That Is, was on Heidi. Was that the image to you that you were like, uh... I mean, already I was uh, thrown off because we're dancing and we're... Like, I feel like all of this has been leading to getting Heidi here to this performance. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And so the performance starts, everybody gets naked, we kind of move to a second location where her bedroom is, so already I'm a little confused, and then it's just chaos. <laughs> no, it yeah. is. So yeah, the, the you know, jerking off 10 men didn't help the situation, but I was already pretty confused before they decided yeah. to do that. <laughs> so it didn't help or hurt, really. It didn't, it may have hurt a little bit. <laughs> I feel like it kind of works for me. I will say that some of the images make sense and work. But like I said at the beginning, other images are just kind of here to be here. They are. I feel like yeah. that that's the only thing that because it's not I'm not somebody that's going to clutch their pearls and be like, oh, my God. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. But when you get to a point where you're only doing shit to be shocking, mm-hmm. then it's kind of like, OK, dude, we get it. Like, that's how I feel. 
It's not like I'm offended. It's just like, all right, they're jerking off. Great. Uh, I love it. <laughs> love it. What <laughs> next? <laughs> You've bought You're in. Trying- <laughs> yeah. I got my free ticket. What else? <laughs> We're riding a goat. Fantastic. Cool. Yeah. It's just like, I feel like you want me to be appalled. And maybe because I'm just an asshole, my reaction to that is to be like, okay. Like, okay, mm. here we are. <laughs> this is what we've built up to. <laughs> and I feel like that... I re- this the end of this is my least favorite part aside from one really really beautiful visual uh-huh. that we have. And I'm not talking about the jerking off dinner. Yeah, <laughs> like if we could just go that, back. Yeah. To <laughs> if we could just hold here for a second, <laughs> not that this it's my least favorite part of the film, and I don't necessarily just mean like the fever dream piece. Yeah. I feel like the whole ending is just the least just. The least strong, the weakest. Yeah. <laughs> there we are. Yes. <laughs> the weakest. Yes. I'm, I'm glad I brought bought you that thesaurus. <laughs> I got there. I can't even say thesaurus, so the joke's on me. I too. got there. <laughs> uh, I you saying that makes it make sense a little more. Okay. Um, but I still, I, I, I also it did. it hurt for me. It hurt everything that had just came before this, because. Again, why are you twerking on <laughs> what what was it again, uh, Bigfoot or what was going on? It was, it was, it was, it was Count, Count Gorgon. Yeah. Count Gorgon, whatever. <laughs> you will respect it, the Count. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it it was it was just I also felt that way. You saying that about her mind going whatever okay. Uh-huh. That, that does make it that better. Does, I'm not gonna lie. That does okay. help a little bit. But it also does feel like, again, let's cram a bunch of crazy shit in here. And it is. Just so that she can stick her tongue out and, and everybody's like, fuck yeah. No, everybody. Why? everybody. Well, I'm just well like, except Jamie. Yeah, except for me. <laughs> fuck that. Uh, I just don't like, you could have accomplished that with a different way. Maybe uh-huh. show her slipping in down into the seven circle or how many circles of hell there's nine or 12 or whatever yeah. <laughs> yeah but you know what i mean i don't know i just don't i think the thing with gorgon was to because whenever she met him at first she was mocking him the whole time yeah, yeah. and now not only is she wearing his shirt she's like no we're gonna we're gonna twerk yeah. well, like, yeah. that's a sign of friendship <laughs> i guess <laughs> right you don't gotta respect. sleep on the couch no yeah <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say it was her embracing his ideology, but I guess... Yeah, got it, got it, got it. Got twerking it. is another yeah. way to, yeah. to uh, signify that. It's the utmost sign of respect. Yeah. <laughs> People start greeting with twerks now. <laughs> Give it a year. Business meeting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but in a hell of crooked trees, the same ones that we met Beelzebub in earlier, mm-hmm. Heidi walks to find the coven waiting for her. She lies down, Margaret telling her that their lord Satan took her to the grave so that she could become the bread and the blood of revelation and revulsion. The coven paws at her as they speak in tongues and blood pours from Heidi. They rub it all over her and themselves as Heidi gives birth to a crustacean-like infant with long whipping tentacles and a long tail. The miracle of life. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and then we're the way we all, that's what we all look that's like. That's what we all look like. It's amazing. Wow. Um, so the scene where she's like, blah, 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 with, yeah. the, with the, is that her getting pregnant? I believe so. That's how I interpreted it. 
because he, if he's <laughs> if he's the demon of reproduction, but also the devil she's though, fucking with his tentacles. Now what? Yeah. <laughs> 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 now that's the part. That's the part where you lose me. <laughs> I will admit that is what was that last part? part? Believe you said the devil. I don't know. Yeah, no, I that that part is where I I am lost. I will say, if he is the demon of reproduction, it makes a lot more sense. Yeah, it makes a lot more sense. And you already named him that. Yeah, just let him be it. But operatic music plays as Margaret holds the baby to her chest, surrounded by flames. We cut to black, fading in on the three sisters kneeling and smiling in bright white light and peering up. All Tomorrow's Parties by the Velvet Underground begins to play, and we see Heidi standing with her eyes white, dressed in a shimmering white gown, wearing a crown, standing atop the corpses of the nude women of Salem. This is beautiful. This Gorgeous. is what I was talking about. It's brilliant. The ending did not really do it for me, but this I really loved. I will say that I would have cut it right there. It would have said written and directed by Rob Zombie. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what I would have done. I would have done it right here. But for but. some reason, <laughs> interspersed with that amazing visual are shots of Heidi playing in the park with Troy in better times. He loves doing this so much yeah we just talked about it in the devil's rejects we did and the thing is is it can be effective in the devil's rejects it kind of made me feel emotional right and they're all pieces of shit but i was still like oh <laughs> like what is this salty discharge yeah. <laughs> this i'm like i didn't get enough time to care about her and what the fuck happened to troy like oh yeah she has that dog yeah <laughs> i gotta put something in there what he had said, he goes, well, it's been so long since we've seen her happy. And I'm like, that's fine. Yeah, but We don't have wow, to see it again. I hate that, actually, because yeah. you, the way that I thought of it was this is what's happening in her mind. She's kind of retreated to a place of peace. Rob Zombie just being like, well, we haven't seen her smile in <laughs> yeah. a little bit. <laughs> to me, that is awful. Yeah. I, I don't like that at all. I thought that what's going on is that she is going to be worshipped as the kind of antichrist's Virgin Mary. And that's the okay, tableau. Yeah. And I think that works, but then her playing with the dog. No, like, what the, the, fuck? Do- yeah. the dog though. <laughs> it's, it's like when they made Elaine dance at the on that video accidentally when she taped herself. Yes. No. It's like you've you've ruined the bootleg. <laughs> like you know, the lone dancer doesn't work for me. I don't think we need to see her playing with a dog. That's how I, t- I that's how I took it. But maybe I'm giving it too much credit if that's all, if that's all he said yeah. it was. He's like, remember though the dog. Yeah. <laughs> Troy was See, pretty cool. That would have worked <laughs> when her mind was supposed to be breaking. Yes. Right. And it's like then, interspersed. Then, yes. And then that. you can end on her being Miss Marvel now. And then <laughs> Not Miss Marvel. Well, I mean, like come her, on. Yeah. Like her trying to find clarity or yeah, peace amidst and, all yeah. of the horror. And, and you can't. That would have been great. You're yeah. totally right. Just, You're totally fucking right. That would have been great. Yeah. In, in my head, I skipped forward. Like, <laughs> like 10 seconds. I'm like, oh, written to, uh, directed by Rob Zombie. Very cool. Right. Very cool. But during the credits and among black and white shots of Salem, we get a news break from WIQZ. The newsman says that the dead bodies of 32 women of Salem's historical lifer society were discovered this morning by a custodian of the Salem Palladium in what appears to be a mass suicide. 
The custodian says that he thought that they were mannequins at first, but then realized that they were real. They're never mannequins. No, they're not. <laughs> they're never mannequins. Always, always real people. The thing is, though, that gets me is that if they had been able to keep in the stuff with Sid Haig and Barbara Crampton and all that and yeah, Macy yeah. Mather, we would have kind of had that connection to the past. Yeah. And this, I love it being a surprise at the end, so I'm a little torn, but I would like to have these connections established sooner. Yeah. All right. But hearing at the end that all these women were related to fucking those evil men. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I call them evil men, but they were literally like trying to end, end the world. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but That's I'm, the thing. Yeah. Is literally in the, at the very beginning, I'm like, man, fuck these dudes. But they're yeah. like, Satan, yeah. demons, yeah. whores. I'm like, yeah. oh, well, somehow, yeah. maybe. <laughs> somehow I'm still on their side. I don't know. I just love witches, I guess. I, I don't know what's going on. But the newsman says that the society's members are all descendants of the founders of Salem and police have no motive for their deaths, but the mayor is going to meet with the family's victims and address this tragedy. They say in a related story, police have no leads in the disappearance of Adelheid Hawthorne, better known as Heidi LaRock, who has been missing since attending the Lords of Salem event. The voice fades and over black and white shots of Salem, the credits roll. Maybe she lives next door to you. <laughs> she doesn't. No, okay. no, no. <laughs> J- JP won't allow. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> but I have to ask, what did you guys think of the Lords of Salem? So this one was, um, like I, I said earlier, it was, it was off and on for me. And uh, the ending really did not work for me. Really? And it, it, it hurt it so much for me. I, I, was, I was more just kind of confused. And I was like, I don't know why you did that. Like, <laughs> I I didn't see that last shot as, like, to me again. But, I mean, then maybe it was just a whole Miss Marvel thing. But, like, <laughs> I was just like, what, uh, what is, what's, I don't, I'm like, I don't understand what, I don't, I don't know, man. It didn't, it just didn't finish the job for me. It left me half chub. If oh, that's, nice. uh, half chub. So, so that's, you weren't that's like the those ten men. No, those ten men. Yeah, no. But see, like even that. See, even that's that. That's the new rating. <laughs> even that. I get it. Okay, but in uh, but in reality, if they're demons, why are you having to be safe with dildos? Why aren't you just pulling out your own? Well, we don't have to get into I that. Know. Saying no, where are I, the actual? I, I, yeah, yeah, I really doubt that demons are like we're gonna censor our penises for everybody. Well, there. the color, but I'm it was sure it the, was a pop of color. color. Yeah. I shouldn't have said pop. No. <laughs> it, it was a pop. Of color. <laughs> you guys are <laughs> leading me down the path. <laughs> but it it does. It's got a lot of really cool shots. The music was good. Like the the story. There was a story. Yeah, I just didn't. Like it, I, what really, really hurt it too for me is me, my lack of giving a shit about any of them. Like, yeah, bad stuff's happening, but then that too, they're bad witches. I, how do you want me to root for you or at the end to be like, yeah, you know, yeah, in your case, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> like, it's just, I, I get the whole cheer for the villain and anti hero and whatever. Like, I get, I get it, uh-huh. but I, to me, this did not make me want to root for them to take over the world. 
I I did not at one time was like, yeah, give me a fuck these people. You know what I mean? Get uh-huh. your revenge. It was like, wow, you guys. It's like they don't deserve this. Yeah, no. It's like <laughs> you guys were trying to fuck us over. Oh, what are you talking about? I really don't know if there's supposed to be anyone to root for. I think the only. Well, I mean, Heidi didn't really do anything that yeah, bad. She didn't do anything bad. Like at all. Um, uh, Senator Kelly was just <laughs> trying to be nice and help. Yeah, he was. Uh, what's her buddies? Uh, both the Hermans yeah, were cool. They were cool. Yeah. What, what, did, what really were they doing to hurt anybody? Yeah. You're licking babies and spitting in their face and... I mean, it was a lot. It was a lot. I mean, it's pretty, pretty cruel. Yeah, I'd say. Come on. You know what I mean? (laughs) But it it was it. It is nice to see a change from House of a Thousand Corpses and Three from Hell and whatever. Like whatever. I don't (laughs) I'm okay. This was a good uh, change of pace for that. Okay. I did tell your sister and. I don't know if it's just maybe his style of making movies that I'm not into. I don't know what it is, but it I like I did. I loved it. And then it would be like any little thing that happened. I'm like, no, fuck that. <laughs> and, and I know now as we talk about it, I was like, oh, that I probably shouldn't have been as upset about that as I was when I okay. watched it. But still, it was like I was like, man, this this could have been I don't want to say better in a bad way but like i feel like this could have been tightened up it could or been. like the the church scene we don't need that mm. give us give us some more something for me to relate to these characters you know what i mean or to relate to anybody else or to anything to make me give a shit about what they're doing uh-huh you know what i mean uh it, it was just that uh, that was like the main thing was that if I don't care about these characters, I don't really care what's happening to you. And then having to get her from one point to another and then just doing it and then the weird dream cuts. But all that just to kind of say like it, it, it was better uh, for me than the our last previous watches of Rob Zombie <laughs> movies. Um <laughs> But it still, it just kind of fell a little short for me. It did. I won't even lie. Uh, I did enjoy that hallway a lot. Yes. I did enjoy the witches being there and nobody noticing them. That was really cool. Mm -hmm. The door being opened and the silhouette passing by. The red fucking room with just a single light. There was a lot of cool shit going on. Uh But then you do something else and backdoor it with, for me, something that didn't work. So now you're just negating everything that you just showed me that I did like. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, man, it's like, why? It's like, why'd you do that? You were right there. Yeah. And I feel like really it was just the end. And I mean, the so the devil's a turnip or a spud or like a a tannis root. Tannis root. A tannis root. Are you talking about the lobster? Yeah, the baby at the end. I think that's the Antichrist. And I think that he's gonna I, maybe be a full grown. I thought it was. I thought it was the squid baby from God Men willing. in Black. No, I, mean, I, don't, I was confused. I, uh, you know the creatures I mean? were a little, a little strange. They, they well, were. But I mean, I think I feel like it would have been less impactful if she's like a bouncing baby boy. That's like, scarier. No, is it really? Yeah. I, I mean, because, that's, I can't but that's tell. just the omen. Yeah, yeah, but, but the but, omen was scared. Yeah, that, <laughs> he, he, he borrowed from everything else. Yeah, well, maybe yeah. maybe as the Antichrist grows up, he sucks in the tentacles. <laughs> <laughs> starts looking a little more <laughs> like a little boy. I don't know. Or a no, little girl. But, yeah, no. Who yeah. knows? <laughs> Who knows, uh, yeah. guys? Yeah. <laughs> no, I agree with you. I feel like the ending 
I think I was just maybe expecting too much because okay. I was really pleasantly surprised by most of this film. Mm-hmm. I feel like, um, like you said, some really fucking beautiful set pieces. Yeah. As far as like acting, dialogue, it is head and shoulders above. Yeah. I mean, it, I was really, really impressed. It is shockingly cohesive. And so I'm really expecting us as we're like, you know, going toward this finishing line for it. I think I just wanted, I don't know. And I don't want to say more because I really liked that imagery of her kind Mm -hmm. of being like a deity or like, I mean, I don't, I like that. Maybe it was just getting us there because we like, I want to say most of the film, a lot of the film is a dream. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, Although, how much of a dream? I don't know. If it's yeah. planted there by the witches, is it? I don't know. Yeah. You know, is it the Tannis root? You've, <laughs> you've not explained yeah. it. Oh, fair enough. Um, she I just, did drink their wine and then shit started going haywire. She did. Okay. That yeah, is true. Yeah. Yeah. I wish that motivations were just a little more clear. I wish characters were a little more defined, which, but I will give him a point for the characters mostly being normal fucking human beings. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like some of the people that, he has in here are legendary and they're kind of underutilized but there is a lot to like it's like it this one's really difficult because as much didn't work for me did i don't Uh know how to explain it i feel like i just really was like okay rob zombie you got me bitch like i'm in (laughs) and then we we walk together and it's like oh oh okay i don't know See, I'm kind of flabbergasted because for me, I feel like if you take out the plane with the dog at the park, okay, the ending is one of my favorite parts of the film. I think maybe it was the execution. I don't I don't know how to I don't hate what happened at all. Uh-huh. I just maybe don't like the execution of it. Or maybe it could be a little more clear that this is just her descent into madness or maybe it get, did anybody even tell her that she <laughs> that she came from judge Hawthorne? Oh, she never found <laughs> out. Yeah, no, yeah, no shit. Yeah. Too. Yeah. I never least, said why this was happening. Can I at her? least know why this is happening? I feel like, yeah. well, I mean, when Margaret's on stage, she says about their ancestors, but she could have pointed out Heidi yeah, specifically. That's what I'm saying. She did calling her the one, but she could have said, and you're great. Exactly. Yeah. Great, 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 great. The horrors of what, and it was like, yeah. is that a yeah. band? I don't know. Right. Like, what the fuck? I, I think that that's maybe where it was lacking for me. It was just like, I don't want it over explained, but I would like maybe our main character to have some semblance of what the fuck's going on. I feel like they used her sobriety as kind of like a prop. And I don't really like that either because it's like she fell off the wagon for what? <laughs> like for what? I don't know. I yeah. mean, if you could use that as, oh, you're using again. Of course, you're seeing weird shit or whatever. That didn't even happen. So it was like, I just I don't know. There's a lot of good stuff here, but I feel I don't know. It's just a little lacking. I'm just going to keep rambling until you start oh, okay. talking. Well, <laughs> I'll take over. It's fine. <laughs> take a nap, Nate. <laughs> Good night. Um, no, I think this is a very interesting film. It is very, very different from everything, even since from Rob Zombie. Yeah. It's kind of been reappraised a bit because at the time of its release, as we said, mixed critical reception. Mm-hmm. It, From what it says on the box office, Made for $1.5 million, made $1.5 million. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. And it kind of, it upsets me. And 
it's one of those things I arrived at independently and then saw other people sharing a similar opinion. Mm-hmm. I feel like this movie might have come out maybe like three years, four years too early. If this was coming out at the same time as The Witch and like A24. Oh, that's a, that's oh, a really right. fair point. Yeah. I feel like this has a better chance of being seen in the way that it was meant to be seen. All right. But I think this film from Rob Zombie in 2012 is kind of strange. Okay. And that's unfortunate and unfair to the film. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's a really fair point. I'm glad people are revisiting it and seeing it differently. Yeah. Because I did. I did the exact same thing. Right, right. But I think that with everything in it, I this movie was kind of made for me. I, right. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things where it's a pleasant surprise because when you're so used to a certain style from a certain director, mm-hmm. for them to just flip it on its ear and be like, no, we're doing this. No, and he yeah. did. And he did. And yeah, you, have did. To, you have to commend that because he did succeed in that. Yeah. Yes. I think, and I hope this isn't true, but I know that with the reception that he got for this, although he doesn't even really give a shit, which I respect, Yeah. Um, this is kind of the most mature film, as we had said in the past, Okay. but he hasn't made anything like this since, and that bums me out. Yeah. Yeah, I would like to see him flex this muscle a little bit more, because there is some great shit here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, it just feels like a couple of the balls were dropped. I think maybe Supernatural might be his wheelhouse, whether or not he wants to yeah. admit it or not. Yeah. Because <laughs> it is good. <laughs> it's good. Yeah. But I guess we can move into ratings. Right. For me, the positives, I really like the story, that it does make sense. If you go back and watch it, you're like, okay, this means this, that's that. And then there are things that are kind of just planted in there as like more of a style thing. Mm-hmm. But I feel like more often than not, everything has a purpose. And that's interesting to me Yeah, for this film. You know, I I think that it's just such a pleasant surprise that it almost like boggles my mind that I like this film as much as I do. <laughs> All right. But I think that the cinematography is great. Oh, the yeah. The music, fantastic. Mm-hmm. This weird blend of Kubrick, Argento, Carpenter, Lynch. Mm-hmm. I guess yeah. Ken Russell, is he had said? Yeah. <laughs> sure. We'll take his word for it. <laughs> Um, I think it's just an excellent blend. It's like it's like a perfect dark roast. Uh, <laughs> I love it so much. And Meg Foster, man, phenomenal. Oh, yeah. yeah, she's great. Seeing how much she put into the role and how much she really embodies Margaret Morgan. Yeah, I've had trouble saying that all day. You have. <laughs> I've said Morgan. I've said Margaret. Margaret. It doesn't matter. <laughs> But I think that the imagery and the ideas really sell it, even if on the negative side, the imagery and the ideas, some of them aren't as fleshed out as they could be. Yeah. I do think there's a lot of stuff from the novel I would have liked to have seen in this film. More of Barbara Crampton. Of course. Um, and Sid Haig. Yes. And, and Michael, Michael Berryman. Berryman. It would be very interesting to see his full vision on film. Yeah. And it sucks that a lot of it didn't even get filmed. So it's not like there's deleted scenes of it. Right. Yeah. It's just not there. Um, I also think that the ending could have been perfect if they had ended it on that tableau. Yeah. Because that shot's amazing. Without the dog in yeah, it. No yeah, dog. <laughs> no dog. No <laughs> dog. And even the stuff over that, the end the credits. The stuff at the end. Yeah. Sure. Just yeah. leave it alone. Yeah. I, I, And I personally, I don't even mind that stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Like if you have it to where it ends on that tableau and then it's almost like a mid credit scene of what Salem rea- yeah, yeah. reacting to this. Okay. And they're like, we fucking, we found bodies at the yeah. Palladium. Sure. Yeah. And then the film ends on those shots of Salem. Great. But that dog, I was like, we don't yeah. need <laughs> And no offense to Troy if he's listening, but 
<laughs> You're a good boy. I feel like they just really could have, they had it. Yeah. And then they did drop that, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate. But for me, on a scale from one to 10, disturbingly devilish dreams, I am going to give the Lords of Salem, and this might shock you. I'm ready to give you the face that you gave me on 13 Ghosts. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Eight. Disturbingly devilish dreams out of 10. All right. I fucking, I, the more I've watched this movie, I think it's grown from, because I hated it at first. Yeah. Then I liked it. Then I really liked it. And I think the more it continues, I think I'm going to end up loving this movie. All right. And there are those shortcomings. Yeah. We can't ignore them. But I feel like the swing is admirable enough, even if there are a few misses. No, yeah, I, I can agree with that. But I'll be quiet, <laughs> and I will now open the floor to you. I can, I, I do agree with that. Like the shots are great, the music's great, everything. Like there is a story. Like I said, what really hurt it for me was the ending and the and just the. There's, I don't care about these characters. Uh-huh. Like nothing made me want to give a shit about her being abducted by these witches other than that's not cool you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. like uh, like on the, yeah. like really i don't i don't know anything about her i don't know anything about her past until we get the drug problem get brought up and again like your sister said that feels really used you know what i mean and it's like come on you don't you know maybe give us something beforehand you know what i mean something like a hint or whatever because mm-hmm. and i didn't even think about that till before like till y'all said something she was drinking in the scene before that so it was like what the fuck so are we partying now or are we trying to well, i you guess know, it's I, just from what was it heroin i, I guess so yeah yeah I mean, I don't, it just felt a little cheap to kind of, I don't know. No, I, I mean, and I get it. And I, and, and I mean, as someone who, who has had a drinking problem before, it is very easy to drink and then fall back into old habits. So I would feel like if you're trying to stay away from those old habits, maybe alcohol is not the best thing to introduce into your life. Um, but I mean, that's, that's something different, but it, you know what I mean? Uh, but yeah, the movie was it was it was just that. It seemed like every time it picked me up, there was something to bring me back down. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Back down to reality. It's like, oh, you're enjoying this a little too much. It's like, oh, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> it's like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. hold on now. Uh-huh. I was like, calm down. I was like, all right, all right. Um, but I I did I did like this movie more than I did the other ones. And I will agree, I, if he did something else that was like this. I'd be more I'd be more excited to go watch it. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Okay, oh, like this, bet that. You know what I mean? Let's go see that. I'll pay to go watch it in the theater. You know Damn. what I mean? If it's like this, yeah. yeah. This movie was better than the previous ones we've watched of his. Uh and I'm not big on his uh like filmography and what he does. Uh-huh. But uh yeah, this was this was better than what I've seen. <laughs> so uh for me on a scale from one to ten disturbingly devilish dreams i'm gonna give lords of salem a six wow it 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 is there is good stuff in there Mm -hmm. there is like i said watching it i'm sitting there and i'm like man that looks really good or oh that's cool and there was parts where i was just literally sitting there watching the movie because (laughs) i was like okay this is cool yeah but then again for everything good there's something else to be like no 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 no. i was just playing come here (laughs) I was like, ah, oh, you bitch, you had me. <laughs> yeah, I was like, come on. But but if 
I I wouldn't even go as far as to tell anybody not to watch it. Okay. I would say if you've never seen it, at least give it a chance. Watch it once. See what you think about it. If you like it, sweet. If you don't, I get it too. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But it, I feel like it isn't a movie to be overlooked. At least give it a chance. It's one of those that I think that it, it's kind of a shame that Rob Zombie is such a polarizing figure in horror. Yeah. Because I think that a lot of people will come into it with kind of preconceived notions. Yeah. yeah. And maybe not like it before they even start it. Yeah. That's what that's what really sucks. Yeah. Is because sometimes people's names get bigger than their work. Yeah. And if you're just like, oh, I hate his stuff, you're going to look for shit to pick yeah. apart. You know what True. I mean? For me, I was like, okay, Rob Zombie. <laughs> like, I was, it impressed me more. Yeah. Um, I think both of you guys have some really good points. It This one is really difficult. It's interesting that you said that you didn't like it the first time you saw it and uh -huh. how much it's grown on you because it really does seem like one of those films that if you sit with it or if you revisit it, you're gonna, like, develop a fondness for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like I wish that I had a little more time. Not wish. Sorry, Anthony Jerome. <laughs> yeah, don't waste. Uh, no, 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 no. Yeah. no. I, it would be nice. There you go. If I had a little bit more of a relationship with this film before watching it for right, this. Right. Because there is something weirdly special about it. Even the parts that don't necessarily work for me. Mm. Yeah. It is really cool to see somebody bring their vision to life. Even if it's not fully what he wanted to do, mm -hmm. to have the creative freedom to just be like, we're going to make this crazy ass story about these witches yeah. and this radio DJ, and we're going to have 10 men jerking off. Oh, come on. Like, I mean, he really. <laughs> <laughs> now you're saying men made of 10. Yeah. Not one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. <laughs> right. <laughs> Eight, nine, ten. <laughs> I live in Texas. It's the words sound of, the same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some tan man jerking off. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but yeah, the, I, even like I said, even the parts that don't work for me, the part in the church, the <laughs> weird shit with the dog at the end. <laughs> I love that we're really harping on that. <laughs> yeah. I just, because it's jarring. It, it was so perfect. And that's the end of the film. But again, there are so many fucking like shockingly beautiful visuals. Yeah. Shockingly beautiful. Mm -hmm. Set pieces like framings of shot like mm -hmm. it, i'm impressed truly impressed i just feel like i need more ken Forey. i don't need the scene in the church i need a little more motivations for the the landlady and and, and sisters yeah, yeah, yeah. I, a lot of it's confusing i i was mad at one aspect of it when francis's wife is playing the song uh-huh and she's fine i was like okay so why isn't it she's not from here yeah true so that took me a full day later to be like, oh, Whoa. that wasn't a plot yeah. hole. Yeah. That took me asking your sister <laughs> yeah. for her because I was like, that don't make no fucking sense. They did ask her or they ask Francis in the apartment. Mm -hmm. They ask about his wife and he says, I think she's from Argentina. Yes. Something, yeah. So that there's it's in the script there. To so, yeah. That, Even stuff which like is that so cool. where yeah. it's like. Well, if that happened to me, I'd get up and leave. And she gets up and leave. I'm like, All okay, right, well, yeah. fuck. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, I can't even be mad. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like this is something I probably will enjoy more with repeated viewings. And I will watch it again. This isn't something that I watch and I'm like, okay, I'm good on that. Yeah. <laughs> like, I will revisit it. It's a weird little fucking movie that 
I completely overlooked. Like yeah. I've, I'd never seen this before. T was like, can we please put this on the schedule? <laughs> I'm just glad you guys wanted, yeah. Yeah. allowed me to. <laughs> <laughs> but all that being said, on a scale from one to 10 disturbingly devilish dreams. And this, this is hard mm-hmm. because there's a lot I don't like, Yeah, but there's a lot that I really fucking mm-hmm. do. Yeah. I'm going to give the Lords of Salem seven out mm. of 10. Disturbingly. Disturbingly <laughs> devilish dreams. <laughs> <laughs> I just said it two seconds ago. There is a lot of greatness here. It's like when you go shopping at Ross and you're like, I know there's fucking gold, but I, I'm going to have to dig through some shit. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's like that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> An interesting way to put it. There is gold. <laughs> I will say I totally understand the people that don't like it. I do want to say that because there is a lot of stuff that I see that could be off-putting. Yeah. Uh, but I am glad that you both gave it a shot, a fair shot. Yeah. Yeah. And seem to enjoy it. Um, I do hope that now uh, Rob Zombie and I can be friends. <laughs> That's all I want. <laughs> I don't know if this quite makes up for all the other stuff. Hey, there wasn't that much. <laughs> don't, don't reach out to him until after we cover Halloween. We'll talk, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's all from us at Podmortem. What would you rate the Lords of Salem and what should we watch next? Let us know on Twitter at the Podmortem. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook. Be sure to follow each of us on Twitter at TravisMWH, at Blood and Smoke, and at RealStreeter84. Please consider pledging to our Patreon and stay tuned until after the music for a special thank you to our Wendigo Gitter patrons. And remember, though we can't pick our family, try to be the roots that allow branches to thrive. Until next time. Thank you for staying tuned. We want to give a very special thank you to all of our Wendigo Getter patrons. Woo! Yeah! (laughs) (laughs) You had no choice. I had to. (laughs) Special thank you to Chris Ontiveros, Kristen Lofton, Megan Martinez, Kimberly Bass, Sophie Hodson, Anthony Jerome M., Jordan Nash, Kent Morton, Guy54, Lala Thomas, Travis and Nisa Hunter, Miguel Myers ATX, Jennifer Perez, Pierre Lombard, Allison O'Neill, Carissa, TJ and Angie Bronson, Gabrielle Trevino, Spooky Mom, Andy Teague, Applin Ontiveros, Karima Rhodes, Antonio Huerta, Kimberly Kleindienst, Will Brown, Sydney Smith, Osvaldo Soto, Jonathan Booth, Bobby Holmes, Donna Eason, J.D. Rizak, Molly Gerhardt, Armand Spasto, Aaron Aguirre, Eggy, William Berry, Brittany Ramatar, Charity Oxner, Amanda Six, Mandy Rainwater, Eden, Jordan Roberts, Dylan, Melissa Sierra, Holly Bryan, Jordan Blevins, Liz Heath, Spencer Montalvo, Pancake the Panda, John Ramos, Michael Newding, Alexis Roberts, Dan Laveau, Itzy M, Gary Horton, Amanda Aliff, Leisha Olivier, Kate Lamp, Carlos and Sydney, Jessica Hunter, Helena Rudder, Alan Johnston, Mariah, Levy Fun, Mandy M, Scott Troutman, Mozzie Bear, Brittany G, Dave Burke, Adrian Stakes, Craig Kowalski, Beth, Nick Spill, Emma Hagel Kissinger, Ashley Weidman, Angelica Cornelius Witt, Valerie G, JSL, Emiliana, Brian Glass, CB, Maya Noches, Taylor Santana, Will Lewison, Angelique, Smelly Poo Poo Head, 
Beth Bauer, Ben Coons, Cookie, Esperanza J, Jace OKC, Joshua Rumley, Danielle Peralta, Hannah R, Brandon, Nicholas Carter, Sawyer Reese Farr, Dr. Diva Loves Horror, Girl That's Scary, M. Fryback, and Cassandra. Hey! Yeah! Yes. Thank you all so much. Yes, thank you. We truly appreciate all your support, and I've never said this before ever, but I would like to thank you all for hanging with us. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're witches in the fucking building. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what you want me to do. <laughs> Until next time.